This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shervanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, back for more fun here in the opening kickoff with you for the next three hours right here on the Sports Station. Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, Triple G's in the house. It's Sports Radio 105.5 FM, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hope you guys are surviving the heat wave throughout the course of the uh, area. But uh, Lee Shervanian's ready to rock and roll. Sticky fingers. Sticky fingers got it done yesterday. Dominican Herman who was suspended earlier this year for Sticky Fingers, through the first perfect game since 2012. A very unlikely source, if you would say, that would pitch uh, a perfect game. He had never completed a game. He was winless in six starts against Oakland, the worst team in baseball. He, I believe in his last start, Mark, gave up 10 runs to Seattle. I may be a little bit off on that. So if you were going to do a over-under as far as a pitcher pitching a perfect game, I don't think he'd be among the candidates. But he went out, 27 up, 27 down. Yankees win 11-0. It's the 24th perfect game in Major League Baseball history and the fourth tossed by a Yankee hurler. And this will come up in a Chick-fil-A later on. But all four, their first names begin with a D. Not that that has anything to do with it. The interesting thing about Herman's no-hitter, you go into the ninth inning, he's already at 93 pitches, which really is not that much, really, for, you know, eight innings. And he had never pitched a complete game. Mark, he only needed six pitches to get out of the ninth inning for his perfect game. How much did you, how much of it did you watch? None. <laughs> I, 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 you think I'm going to – first of all, I wouldn't know where to find it anyway. I, I, I don't know if it was even on uh, Major League Baseball Network. But I'm certainly not staying up to watch a Yankee-Oakland game. No. And I, the, the interesting thing was, and I, you know, we don't really follow stuff like this, but the Yankee announcers, the, the, the two key announcers, Michael Kay on TV, John Sterling Radio, neither made the trip. They had backups, and they missed out on the perfect game by Herman. But like I said, sticky fingers. You know, I'm accused in my household of sticky fingers. All the time. Do I want to know why? Uh, it's just because of when the refrigerator... You know, it's when there's it's a little stickiness. It's it's because of me, and I get okay. I get called on the carpet because of it. Do you have food or something on your hands? I I mine comes from fruit. You know, I, I've been accused that I don't use enough. I don't do the right thing with soap, but it's not that. It's the fruit. <laughs> it's the right thing with soap. Uh, nah, so don't, you don't wash your hands I after do you wash. eat fruit. No, it's not even that. It's when I slice fruit up, put it back in the refrigerator, and at times. It, it, you know, I hit certain areas of the refrigerator and it gets a little sticky. That's what it's from. It's not because I don't use the correct soap or know how to wash my hands. It's because of the fruit that I deal with every day. So, yeah, I've been accused of sticky fingers, too, but I haven't been suspended. Hmm. Okay. And didn't he, did I read correctly, he was also, he had some legal issues, too? Oh, yes. Going back, he had been suspended for domestic violence. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy's got a little bit of a resume on the negative side, but... Gosh, he goes out there. And I mean, if you had to pick a Yankee pitcher, you would have said maybe Cole or maybe 
uh, Stevenson or, or somebody like that, but certainly not Herman, who, again, very up and down season. His, his record was sub-500, never beat Oakland before, and he got pretty well crushed the last time he pitched in a game. But anyway, he did it. He's right up there among the immortals now for Yankee uh, perfect games, and we haven't had one since 2012 when Fernando uh, Felix Fernandez through the last perfect game. It's really quite an accomplishment, even against Oakland. Is there, there's probably no equal. As much as I'm not a baseball guy, I'm trying, what would be the equivalent of a single game accomplishment in other sports to a perfect game? I'm just thinking there's probably. I don't know if there is perfection in any other sport. Right. I mean, it, it can't be perfect, I don't think. But I don't think it's whatever it would be. I don't think it's viewed in, in quite the same way it is in baseball. That that's that's got it's. it's is not. it the ultimate? Is it the ultimate single game accomplishment in all of sports? That's a good question for our audience. Uh, I, I would have to put it up there because basically, well, football is such a team game, and so is baseball. I mean, if the guy doesn't catch the ball, then you don't have a perfect game. The umpire blows a call at first base, you don't have a perfect game. So there's a lot of individuals involved in it. Thinking to uh, football, I don't know if a quarterback goes out and completes all his passes, does not have an incompletion or an interception, does that count? Uh, it's When you say perfection, perfection goes a long, long way. And I'm not saying it's solely on Herman to go out there and throw the complete game, because like I say, you have a catcher who's calling pitches, you've got infielders, outfielders who have to make plays for you, so it's not just on him, but... Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of some of the other sports. A hockey goalie uh, turning aside a perfect game for a uh, a shutout, maybe. I don't know if you want to include that in there. Um, of course, a lot of times in a, in that situation, he gets a lot of his guys out there blocking shots for him. So I'd have to say right now, the way you bring it up, I'd have to say a perfect game. It, it would equal or be above anything else. Yeah, I would think a soccer goalie or a hockey goalie, maybe if if they stopped. Right. Everything I I don't know, but see in soccer you don't get that many saves. Now yesterday we had the USA national team win the gold cup. They won six nothing. Yeah, USA. But did you take a look to see who they beat? Uh, some I some island in in the Caribbean called Saint Kitts. Never, have you ever heard of that? I have not. I haven't either. I'm like I had to do a double take on this. I said, what is it? Who they beat? So I don't. Is that a perfect game? I don't know how many saves, if any, the uh, USA national team's goalie had. I'm not trying to put it down or anything like that, but, I mean, I never even heard of the uh, – it's not even a country. I think it's just an island in the Carib. Yeah. Maybe you'll pass it on your next trip. Uh, potentially. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe. I can't imagine there's a whole lot. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah, someone said bowling. Bowling, you can you can go perfect with a 300. 300. Um, so that's – that makes sense. And then someone said shooting a 59 in golf. Um, Which is the lowest score ever recorded in a tournament. Yeah. Um, I think they're comparable. I still think probably the the perfect game in, in baseball, though, is... It's the most publicized. Re- revered, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, sometimes, Mark, in baseball, you take a look at the guys who have thrown perfect games and 
it's like one and done. It's not like they've had Hall of Fame careers. Go back to Don Larson's perfect game in the World Series, which is, again, the gold standard for perfect games. Yeah. Uh, game five. Don Larson was a, was basically a so-so pitcher. Uh, he, had, he had some good games. He had some bad games. Certainly not a Hall of Famer. Not even a Cy Young Award winner. And if you go through his record, it's not going to jump out at you and say, hey, look at me. Look how great I was. No. Don Larson was a very average pitcher who on that one day, through a perfect game and a World Series game, which is still the gold standard for perfect games. Yeah. Uh, you guys can jump in, 694-1055. That's the number. Coming up today, let me get my trusty rundown sheet here. Justin Baker is talking a little baseball, brave sweep. Uh, that'll come up in about 15 or 20 minutes or so. Paul Feinbaum is back with us at 7 o'clock. Eli Gold, the voice of the Crimson Tide, will join us at 7.30. David Morris, we spent a little time talking about this yesterday. So David Morris, the QB country, was not only at the Manning Passing Academy, but uh, he pretty much helped put it together and orchestrated a little bit. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about his duties over there and get a rundown on what he saw out there from some of the college quarterbacks. Uh, And at 8.30, Bryce Huff is set to join us. So uh, we'll have some Chick-fil-A a a little bit later in the day, as uh, Lee already alluded to. It'll be about the no-hitter. But we got some other stuff to get to as well. So let's go uh, scoreboard traffic and weather here. Uh, We're looking for what is the most comparable accomplishment in sports to a perfect game. I'm thinking there isn't one, quite frankly. The The answer to our question is there is no answer. Bowling and golf might be as close as it gets. I never got to 300 in bowling. In fact, it usually took me three games to get there, so that's not any. Uh, I can't brag about my bowling. But there's a better chance of you and me or Nick or anybody going out there and, and bowling a perfect game than than having an opportunity. You to bowl. might, not me. Well, I gave up bowling. Sticky fingers. Gutters. Yeah. Gutter balls. All right. The opening kickoff. We're just getting started. Stay with us. They threw me out. This is Mayor Sandy Stimson. You're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 FM WNSP. All right, 620, welcome back in. The opening kickoff just getting started here on a Thursday. Appreciate you guys hanging with us right here on the sports station WNSP. All right, that was the last out, the 27th out in Herman's perfect game. The Yankees uh, defeating Oakland 11 to nothing last night. And again, when we get to Chick-fil-A, we'll have a question relative to that. So yesterday, uh, the NCAA Division I Council, they've come up with a proposal. There'll be a final vote in October. But what they're trying to do is change the transfer period windows and reduce the number of transfers. The number is quite alarming. The first transfer window this past year marked 2,224 D1 football players. The second, that was after the spring, 1,373. So I guess the idea is if if you shorten that window, fewer guys will do it? That's the premise. That's the idea behind this. Yeah. I mean, I guess. 
I'd like to know, okay, it's one thing to throw numbers out like that. What I'd like to know is how many of those actually wound up at another school? How many went back to their original school and how many were left hanging and no place to go? I don't, I don't think this will curb it. I just think, I mean, maybe it will. I, I, I guess if you give kids fewer opportunities to do something, uh, in, in theory, um, fewer kids will actually go through with it. I just feel like it'll be even more. I mean, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I, I feel like anything we can do to curb this is a good thing. I, I just don't think you'll see a major dent in the numbers of people hitting the transfer portal until you change their eligibility I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't think it's really going to curb it that much. I mean, I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, but I think what's going to happen is, okay, a shorter window, so they'll just, uh, if you want to transfer, you're going to transfer. Now, what they ought to do, but they're not going to, I don't know if they're afraid of court challenges, is basically after you've transferred one time that you have to sit out a year. To the underclassmen, obviously grad students can transfer anytime they want, but for the underclassmen, say, look, okay, if you've transferred once, that's enough. We see guys transferring two and three and four times even. Yeah. So put some put some uh, stipulations in there. Uh, make it a little more difficult after the first time. I realize there's extenuating circumstances like coaching changes and things like that. But you know what? Tough. Uh, that That's the way life is. You know, it's not always going to be, you know, the way you want it. And to me, and I've always, I actually believe this, that the grass is not always greener on the other side. And that's what's happening with a lot of these players. I would, like I said, and I'm repeating myself, I'd really like to know of these 3,500 plus, how many of them are actually without a school now. They can't all be getting into a school. There's just too many of them. And in the long run, this is what hurts high school seniors. Didn't we shorten the transfer windows once already? Or did I make that up? I don't I don't remember. I don't if you want to make it up, good. I'll make it up. Make I it feel up. like we did that once. So there's two windows. Like now. recently, like there what didn't we just start the transfer windows like last year though? Transfer windows are basically, there's a period there, what, in the first of the year and then after spring. Why don't they just do one transfer window, okay? Just cut it down to 30 days instead of having two different transfer windows. Well, I think probably for the fall and the spring sports. Well, what's happening, Mark, in the one after spring, I guess, is geared towards, let's say you go through spring football and maybe you get the feeling you're not going to be a starter. You know what? Too bad. Come back in the fall and earn the job. Okay? That's where you wanted to go in the first place. So I I don't see what, why you have to have one after spring football. And I think that's – and I'm right now I'm just talking – these numbers are just football players. These are not all athletes. If you throw in every athlete in every sport, the number's off the charts. I'm just – these numbers that I'm giving out are just for football players, not even basketball players. So 3,597 football combined in both windows, just football players combined, uh, have have hit the portal. 3,000, I'm doing that math right off, looking at the two numbers, 3,597. So let's say you're a football coach and uh, you tell your uh, grad assistants or say, hey, go, go check out these 3,000 uh, whatever. Uh, I want full reports on all of them. I want to see if any of them are... Good for the program. Q Freeze, Nick Saban say, you know, let's check out these 2,900 yeah. or wherever it is. Well, I mean, there are those on staff, on some staffs, whose, whose only job, I think, is just to 
to check the portal. And you got to wonder how many guys, if if the transfer portal existed in it as it does today, how many guys 10 years ago, 20 years ago, would have jumped into the portal? Were that many guys unhappy with where they were, as they say, back in the day? Just you know, because, you know, you know what I mean? Like, why, why all of a sudden? I, I, I gotta believe they were. I to agree have with this you. many folks in the portal. We, we live in a very unhappy times. Very unhappy. If you're not, <laughs> it was a starter, the best of times. It was right, the worst yes. of times. If you're not a starter, if you're not uh, number one on the depth chart, you're unhappy. Now, Jeremy made a great point in the app. How many of those kids were told by coaches they need to transfer? Because there's no place for them. That's see, this is the point that we often don't talk enough about is how much of these I'd love to see I'd love to see the breakdown. You want to see how many go in the portal and actually come out on the other side. I'd like to see them broken down by all right, these guys entered the portal on their own. These and these guys over here were told to get in the portal because there's no place for it. All right, do you think coaches actually uh, a head coach? I know they have exit meetings. I know that after every year they all have exit meetings. So I'm wondering, do coaches sit there and tell the player to move on? We don't want you. Yes. Yes. Do you think that's what happened with Barry Dunning? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's happened for years. I think we even called it, right? We even we came up with a term with it in sports. Nick Saban processed another one out, right? Absolutely. I think that was happening before it actually became a thing. Let's take a phone call quick before we go to break. Go ahead, caller. Welcome to WNSP. Yeah, what's up, fellas? This is Tony. Uh, yeah. I was calling in because I think what, what, what could help the transfer portal is if they – Use of what it was intended for and make that a rule. So mostly the, the big hype was a lot of coaches were leaving and then new coaches was coming in and that player probably wasn't on that coach's, you know, game plan idea or wanted him to be that. So why don't they make it to where the transfer portal only applies to colleges where there's been a coaching change? I think that would help out a lot with uh, lowering the numbers. Yeah. Hey, Tony, thanks for the call. I Look, I think, I think, I hate to do a blanket rule. I see where you're going with it. I like it. But what about little Johnny that moved away and mom got sick or grandma got sick and, and he really wants to spend the last couple of years of, of their lives uh, closer to home so that he can help take care of the family? I mean, you know what I mean? Those are those are actual – that happens where mom gets sick and, and they want to transfer. Like So I, I use an extreme example like that because there's always going to be um, – that one case that winds up blowing up national media and about how this poor kid can't transfer because of this of this rule. You know what I mean? And and I use that as an extreme case. West Virginia, Bob Huggins leaves, and all of a sudden, three or four players are transferring right off the bat. Like, well, that. that's 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 Tony's point. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Um, well, in the past, the those players who wanted to move closer to home because of extenuating circumstances, I know we've had some local players do that. They've been they've been given clearance by the NCAA. Yeah, and then Jeremy in the app also said, I mean, look, Deion Sanders. I mean, he just basically told that whole team get out. Pretty much. That's not on the that's not on the players. So yeah, I would say it's just as much on the pl- on the coaches as the players. How do you fix it? We can come up with some rules. Tony, I think that's one rule in which you can transfer. I think the other thing is, if you want to transfer, like Lee and I have been saying for years, you got to sit out a year. That would really curb it. You want to curb it? it. Olsen out 
to right center field. This one may go. It does go. Matt Olson, another homer, 26 on the season. Boy, just flip that one. 632 here on a Thursday. Thanks for hanging. It's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. All right, the Atlanta Braves won yesterday 3-0, and, and they're like 20-4 and in June, and they're only, I believe, a game or two behind Tampa. For the best record in Major League Baseball, and you remember that great start and all the talk about Tampa, let's talk about the Braves with uh, Justin Baker, 92.9 the game. Justin, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. I'm great. And I was watching the, well, the last inning or two yesterday, and I'm starting to think, I know there's still a, a long way to go. They're about halfway through the season or close to it. Is this shaping up right now as one of the best Brave teams of all time? It certainly is. If you look at the, where they're, they're pacing to win at, and you mentioned the Tampa Bay thing. I mean, the Braves are a half a game back of the Rays for the best record in baseball right now. Uh, and nobody's had a better June. I mean, they legitimately won, uh, what is it, 18 in the last 21 games. And they're putting up more runs already in, in the first half of the year than what we've seen probably from any team ever. And we're talking about a sport that has 200 years of history. So um, they score a lot of runs. And when you look at where their trajectory is going and the fact that they're still missing two of their best starting pitchers from last season and Kyle Wright and Max Fried, of course, uh, who won't be back until after the All-Star break, it just kind of gives you a lot of uh, hope if you're a Braves fan to think that this team could really run away not only with the division but put themselves in a prime position uh, to to have a great team that can certainly put up some big runs in the postseason. So yesterday, again, I didn't have a chance to watch most of the game, but I was expecting Mike Soroka. That was the talk. Instead, when I get home and I tune it in and I was checking on my new iPhone that Kobe Allard was pitching. I'm like, where the heck did he come from? He was doing a rehab start. Since when does a pitcher come up to the majors to do a rehab start and the guy pitched shutout ball? Incredible. It's just kind of the luck that the Braves have had lately. When they call on a guy's number, more times than not, they come up and they deliver in the biggest moments. And that's exactly what we saw from Colby Allard yesterday. Uh, Allard, original draft pick by the Braves, was traded away to the Texas Rangers a few years ago for Chris Martin, the reliever. Um, and then this year uh, in the offseason, the Braves were able to get Allard back in a trade when they got rid of uh, Jake Odorizzi. So um, to be able to get him to come up, I thought it was a big move. And what they're doing right now with Alex Anthopoulos and Brian Fick are able to manage is uh, by what they did yesterday, they allowed Allard to get that start. He pitched wonderful, gave the Braves an opportunity to go ahead and get that win. Like you said, shut out baseball. Um, and then now the guy that you just mentioned, Mike Soroka, is in the line to potentially be called up uh, to make a start tomorrow on Friday and what that will then do um, with Schuster now being sent down and being able to call up Soroka will probably see that move at some point today um, but that now gives Soroka an extra day of rest to make his start he's really turned things around at Triple A Gwinnett uh, and then it gives the, the rest of the guys like Strider and Morton a couple of extra days before their next start so um, the Braves are in this amazing position where when they call up guys, they're getting amazing results, and then they're setting themselves up um, to make everybody already on the roster have a little bit more, I guess, leeway, if you will, um, to get them rested and recovered for a great start moving forward. So that's, uh, it was a big move, and it worked out well. And what a, what a game by Allard, who 
Um, everyone kind of thought that would be a spot start, but he's going to remain on the roster for at least another week. So I thought that was a pretty big deal. You know what, Justin, and I don't want to be Debbie Downer on this, but uh, as somebody who's been a Braves fan and followed them quite closely, Braves have always impressed me as being great for the long run. But when you get to postseason, and this is what I was going to ask you, this team is built on home runs, obviously. They're hitting home runs all over the place. And the fact of the matter is they have not had their two aces in the pitching rotation. I'm curious, and again, I I really shouldn't look this far ahead, but when you get to postseason, usually it's teams that play small ball that can manufacture runs and have power pitchers out there that can go a little bit longer in postseason. I'm not sure the Braves have that. Well, they're certainly going to get their pitching back, and I think that's a good point, Lee. I mean, you can have all this fun in the summer and put up these big runs, but when you get to the postseason, it's typically going to be these closer games that are going to be um, kind of run by pitching. So if you can get a healthy Max Freed back, uh, but then have that back-ended by you know a guy like Spencer Strider, of course, Bryce Elder has been a great surprise. He's not a overly powerling guy, but he's got great control, and I think certainly the right headspace, and then uh, add in the, the mix that you get Charlie Morton and how good Kyle Wright's been if he can come back. So I think the pitching will return. And the one thing the Braves have in their favor that they have really had some really good luck with the last few seasons is that bullpen is still um, in a really good spot. I think some fans are a little bit more cautious on uh, Rysel Iglesias. You know, the, certainly the ERA is up there and he's kind of given Braves fans a little bit of a heart attack at times in the ninth inning. But his stuff is good enough. Um, to you know, certainly put them in position, but then the rest of the bullpen guys that they're getting are certainly in a great position as well to kind of bridge that gap. So I think when you look at overall pitching, what they're going to have with their starters, plus who they can rely on, on their bullpen in those high leverage situations, and then you add to the fact that the guy at the top of the lineup, the guy that's stirring the straw in the drink, Ronald Acuna is going to set the tone offensively. If he gets on, he's looking to swipe bags. Um, he's certainly got the power, and then the guys behind him, whether it be Ozzie Albies or Matt Olson, certainly Austin Riley's getting hotter. Uh, I mean, Michael Harris has just completely picked up his average after a disaster start. He looks like a guy that might even still hit 300, and he was hitting 166 when we began June. So um, I think they've got enough pieces where come postseason, despite the fact they are a power-hitting team, it might all come together and be a really big juggernaut to try and break down. Justin Baker, 92.9 the game, the former voice of the Mobile Bay Bears. So when the trading deadline gets closer and closer, do the Braves need anything? I think you could always look at maybe adding pitching, um, maybe a bench piece. I think the most telling story about the Braves right now uh, is the fact that they have gone a week without a backup infielder, haven't needed them. And they had Charlie Culberson on their team as a backup infielder when he got called up on May 19th and wasn't even uh, a factor until he was DFA'd on Father's Day. So it kind of gives you an idea right now uh, that they don't need anything. So, Lee, I, I think you always have to look to find ways to get better and, and improve. Certainly another uh, bat off the bench could help. Um, you could get depth in the bullpen. You could get depth in the rotation. And it's going to change depending on injuries. I think that would kind of be the one thing um, that would trigger who they're looking to buy. But, again, um, with the expanded playoffs, we're not going to see a really active trade deadline, and we're certainly not going to see it happen until closer to towards the, the actual deadline itself. Um, teams aren't looking to be sellers unless you're the Mets and you're, you're literally in the seller of your own division, two different types there. So, 
Um, it will be different to see. I don't see them looking to make a big splash at the deadline, but I think they can look to try and add some depth somewhere. So this weekend, the Miami Marlins, who would have thought they would be the team closest to the Braves right now? Big three-game series. I imagine tickets will be very hard to come by. Are you surprised to see Miami, the team in second place now? I think when you looked at the beginning of the season, um, you expected the Marlins to be better. They're certainly outperforming expectations. They're getting really good pitching, and they've got a great lineup up and down. Um, So a a little bit surprised. I think everyone's more surprised, I guess, at the lack of success that they've seen from uh, both the Phillies and the Mets. I think that's more of the surprise. The Marlins still have a good team, a young team, which you want. Um, you know, there was little expectation, so everything that they do is just kind of a, an extra wow factor. Um, but yeah, no, I've been in, I've been impressed with them. I think they're a great team, and um, it's I think they're going to continue to find themselves in, in a wild card spot if they continue to to win the way they have. Um, and uh, we'll see what happens this weekend. But it's going to be a, a tall test. If you look at the teams that the Braves have beat, they've beaten teams that are ahead in their division the, the month of June, whether it was the sweep of Minnesota, who was in first place pretty much all season up until yesterday in the AL Central. Uh, the, certainly the Cincinnati Reds have been a resurgence. The Braves took two out of three against them. They took two out of three against the Padres. Uh, the Braves have beaten those teams that are in first place in their division, two out of three against Arizona to begin the month. Um, so this is just another test, and now it's a big, important divisional series. And like you said, um, should be sellout crowds and uh, kind of playoff atmosphere, it seems like, moving forward for the Braves. Mark posed this question based on the no-hitter by uh, Herman yesterday by the Yankees. Obviously, a perfect game in, in baseball is magnified. It's made a big deal. Is there any other sporting event or individual let's say performance that supersedes a perfect game in baseball i don't think so i mean with the word itself perfect is is kind of what sets it up i mean you could talk about uh the euphoria of a hole in one in golf right um I don't know what in football or basketball or hockey could equate to that. Hat tricks are usually cool, but nowadays they're more common in hockey. Uh, The perfect game is a big deal. And, you know, guys, special shout-out, too. I I know it's been a while since we've had baseball in Mobile, but if there's ever any reason to suggest that baseball should come back to the city, um, the amount of talent, not only from a player development standpoint, but also the staff that's gone through. The gentleman on the call last night for the Yankees was former Bay Bear announcer Justin Shackle. So uh, for him to be able to share that moment with Ryan Rucco there with Yankees Network, he had Susan Walter next to him, I think just speaks volumes to the gateway that Mobile has allowed uh, for talent, not only on the field, whether it be coaches and players, but also staff and uh, front office members in baseball today to be able to use Mobile as a stepping ground. I thought that was a really big moment for Justin, and uh, it was a cool moment for a former Bay Bear announcer to see that. But what a perfect game, Uh, 24th one in history, fourth for the Yankees, and I know it was a late one because it was out there in Oakland, but um, there's not a better moment or a cooler moment, I think, in all four of the major sports than a perfect game in baseball. How about this? Uh, I'm glad you brought I didn't know about Justin, but I got in touch with Rain Randazzo yesterday, the former voice of the Bay Bears. He is now the TV voice for the Angels, and I've booked him for next week to talk about Otani. And he's also, what, the Friday night uh, Apple TV announcer for the game of the week? 
He is, and, you know, we all kind of have a fraternity. So uh, Wayne, as you know, was there for several years, one of the Bay Bears championships in 2011. Justin Shackles succeeded him. They are both good friends. Uh, Justin Shackle brought me on. I brought Melanie Newman on, who is now the uh, one of the voices of the Baltimore Orioles and did the MLB London series. Um, so it just kind of shows you the connection that the Bay Bears have actually had with Major League Baseball and the people around. Uh, and we all still talk to each other. I haven't spoken to Wayne since he was with the Mets, um, just as, as I'm a little bit more removed from the daily uh, play-by-play duties. But um, it's, it really shows you just kind of the, um, I guess, platform that Mobile has allowed for so many of us that we were able to start there at Hank Aaron Stadium and, and have found ourselves now uh, across various stadiums in the big leagues being able to do what we wanted to do. So whether it's Wayne Collins, Shohei Itani's, you know, immaculate season here both on the mound and at the plate, uh, Justin being able to call a perfect game, um, you know, I'm just kind of in the background laughing at all this, and then Melanie being able to be one of the few women in uh, baseball right now that are have a play-by-play gig and continues to do her work on, on Major League Baseball. Uh, it's It's been fun, and I think we're all really grateful for the time that we had in Mobile uh, and the fans that we had there to support us uh, as we look to advance in our careers. Justin, we really do appreciate it, man. It's been too long. Tell everybody how they can follow you and get more information on the Braves. At Baker Broadcast anytime. You can tune in to WNSP every once in a while as I join Mark and Lee. Uh, I miss you, buddy, and I uh, can't wait to start talking football here in a couple months. But it's been a great baseball season. Looking forward for it to roll on. Hey, have a great weekend, man. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. Yep. All right, that's Justin Baker, ladies and gentlemen. All right, when we come back, you guys can jump in on the conversations that we've been having. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the portal window closing and how do we fix this portal problem. The, the no-hitter, uh, obviously, or I'm sorry, excuse me, the perfect game. Is there anything uh, else in sports that comes close to comparing to that individual feat? We can't think of one. Something we haven't talked about, gambling has reared its ugly head once again. We've mentioned it, haven't had a chance to talk about it uh, in the NFL. We'll get to that next as well. We'll wrap up hour number one. I got a little news of the weird for you, too. I've been hanging on to for more than a week. We've just been busy in a time where you're not supposed to be. Here we are, wrapping up our number one next, right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hey, this is AJ McCarron, and you're listening to WNSP. Two, two. Past the mound, Lindor right at the bag, and he bobbles it, and he lost the play. Do you share in the fans' frustration right now? Oh, sure. Everybody does. That one into center field. And he misses it. Nemo was right there and just whipped. wrapping up our number one. You guys can jump in here in the opening kickoff at 694-1055. I already took a call on uh, the transfer portal. And how is how to get these guys from not getting into the portal uh, has been a topic of conversation as more than uh, 3,000, uh, almost 4,000, in fact, uh, football players alone yeah, that have gotten in the portal. Doesn't even include the basketball, doesn't include other sports. And I'm telling you, there is an easy solution. They sit out a year. That is the only way they're going to curb this. I agree. Uh, and uh, I don't know. Uh, the, the, the movers and shakers of college football have been busy this week with uh, NIL rules and regulations and now the transfer portal what mark they're taking they're taking their sport back lee 
What Mark's referring to is there is a proposal to kind of cut down on transfers by closing the window, but the vote will not be taken until October. It's out there now. You mentioned, of course, NIL. Do you want to tell the uh, the Biden Tuberville story? I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, so Tommy Tuberville and um, Joe Biden uh, have kind of been going at it a little bit. First on social media. Look, I don't I don't get into a whole lot of politics, right? So there's a bill out there that'll bring essentially billions, right, to the state of Alabama on this whole broadband that that has has been uh, uh, approved, right? So Alabama's going to get money for broadband. Great. Tuberville tweets out how, and I'm paraphrasing, it's about time, great for the much needed, blah, 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 blah. Biden replies on Twitter that this, you know, points out that Tuberville wasn't e- didn't even take place in the vote. Like, why why is he going after Biden if if dude would even dare to vote? So they go back and forth on Twitter. Well, Joe Biden's in a uh, giving a speech in Chicago. I think it was yesterday, um, and he brings up he brings it up. Uh, that this bill is bringing along some converts, he says. People strenuously opposed voting against it when we had this thing going on. This was going to bankrupt America. Well, there's a guy named Tuberville, he called him, a senator from Alabama who announced he strongly opposed the legislation. Now he's hailing its passage. Here's what he said. It's great to see Alabama receive critical funds to boost ongoing broadband efforts. He then got laughter from the audience and then Biden then crossed himself like, help me with this guy. Yeah, and I wonder, did he do that on purpose? Because how many times over the years, and it's well documented, as a politician tried to venture into sports celebrities and botched it up? I don't know if he did this on purpose. I don't know if he was just trying to make fun of him or what. But you would think, being the politician that Tuberville is now, that he would have some ideas as how to pronounce the name. But this happens so many times. Presidential candidates, they try to they try to belly up to, you know, sports figures, and it usually it sometimes backfires. I, I'm trying to remember some of the famous ones, but I'm sure they're well documented if you Google it. All right, so you guys can jump in on that if you want. So you brought in from time to time, look, Lee has a heart, folks. He's a very caring and compassionate person. And more times than not, he'll bring me a little treat, a little snack. Today, I got a little fun-sized Snickers, which kind of got me thinking about this story that I've been hanging on to for a couple days out of Australia. Good day, mate. Right? Crocodile Dundee, the whole deal, right? So this guy was in an Australian courtroom. It was a uh, he was a child sex offender. The verdict came down as guilty, so he tried to get out of the whole thing by chomping down on a uh, Snickers bar. Come on, <laughs> that he had laced with rat poison. It was a be- definitely death by suicide. So. As the verdict is being read, he quickly opened the Snickers wrapper, started munching down on the Snickers bar while seated in the, like, I guess this prison dock, for lack of a better term. Four guilty verdicts were being read against him. Reached his pocket, grabbed the Snickers. How he had it on him, I don't know. 
He's believed to be in his 70s. Um, so he started eating the, the Snickers when someone on the staff told him that he couldn't eat in court, like there's no food allowed. The man ignored the warning and continued to like scarf down Snickers with rat poison. He then told people he poisoned himself and he had laced the chocolate bar with rat poison. I think you brought up the good point. How did he sneak that in? I don't think anybody believed him. According to a report I'm reading, the man uh, remained in custody, in custody until he collapsed in his cell, um, somehow breaking his finger. He was taken to a local hospital where he was treated in the ICU. Apparently, uh, it was not enough rat poison to do the trick. Do they, uh, this is getting away from that story, but staying with Snickers, are they still doing those commercials where you eat a Snickers, they have the different personalities and so forth? That you remember they were very famous for a while. Are they still doing that with celebrities? The, uh, the, the grumpy commercials? Yeah, the grumpy commercials. I haven't That's seen it. one in a minute, but uh, I'm sure they, um, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't, I'm not sure what... Uh, at a time, they were really good. I'm not sure what Snickers uh, uh, advertising blitzes these days. Leave it to you to come up with a Snickers story. But what does he? Does he just kind of like, what, like a salt shaker? He just kind of puts a little I rat don't know poison what, on it. And what's enough? And uh, you said I, I, I don't know if I could. I, maybe what's that? Turkey baster. Inject it. Well, you got to understand, he doesn't have access in prison to all the things you're talking about, right? But isn't isn't I mean is rat poison? Can you get it in a liquid or is it like a? Does he have access to the uh, kitchen or whatever? I mean, it's not like you, you. If you're in your cell, you don't have all that stuff available. So you, the commissary, do you do you have access to that? Where does, does somebody smuggle it into you? Hey, uh, get me some rat poison. Send me some rat poison. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I can uh, think of one place where you could probably. Eat. Smuggle in a Snickers bar, <laughs> but how do you get the? So someone had to give him the bar, right? And someone else had to lace it. And then they he could have sn- smuggled it. And it probably wouldn't be that conspicuous. No, no. be like, dude, go clean yourself up, dude. You just caddyshacked yourself. I don't know. It seems like there's got to be a. It's a powder, right? Can you get a liquid form? Do you, do you inject it into the Snickers bar? I don't know. I'm not familiar with the the, the rat poison, but I don't know I've whoever never, did have it. You ever had to kill a rat or anything in your house? No. Use I use trap. Well, in the past, traps. We haven't had any lately, so I just use regular traps with cheese, right? And that usually what does it. That'll be hard to fit into the Snickers. <laughs> a whole mouse. Or, or where you're hiding it to get it into the. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Paul Feinbaum will kick off our number two, which includes Eli Gold. David Morris and our number three. We've got plenty going on here. It's a lot of football talk for June 29th, but we find a way here on the uh, opening kickoff. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station.
is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shervanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Welcome in. Thanks for hanging with us on the opening kickoff. Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian with you right here from the sports station WNSP. Major headline in sports yesterday, the perfect game thrown by uh, Mr. Sticky Fingers himself, Domingo Herman, who was suspended for Sticky Fingers earlier this year. Uh, the first perfect game in Major League Baseball since 2012. And the first, uh, let's see, the fourth by a Yankee and the 24th ever. All right. Uh, I don't know if he's perfect, but he's certainly a great guest. Paul Feinbaum, SEC ESPN Network. Paul, again, thanks so much for taking time to join us. Good morning. How are you today? Thank you, Lee. Good morning. So Mark and I have been talking about the transfer portal because of this proposal to try and cut down. Uh, We mentioned that there's been over 3,500 D1 football players. That doesn't even include other sports, basketball, whatever the sports. uh, 3,500 entered the portal since the uh, windows were open. They're trying to shut this down a little bit by closing the window. Is there such a solution to cut down on the portal? Well, there's no overall solution. You can make it easier for coaches uh, by, by eliminating it, and that's all we're really talking about here. You know, the concept of the portal was to give players the freedom the same freedom as everyone else had, including their own coaches who could go from school to school. And I have no problem with it. Uh, players want to get in there uh, and seek another opportunity, good for them, and, and they should have opportunities to do it whenever they want. I think the problem is that the coaches who are all making a fortune uh, just don't like having to work the whole year round. The only solution we've come up with is if you, again, they have to sit out a year. My my. My solution would be, okay, transfer once, but if you do it again, then you have to sit out. Because we see instances where student-athletes are transferring two, three, some even four times. That's true. Uh, we've all followed players that are on their fourth school. And I, I, some lim- I, I would agree with you. Uh, in the end, I'm not really sure good it does to keep a player sitting out a year. Uh, and by the way, we're not talking about the Bryce Youngs here. Uh, I mean, most of the people that are in the portal either made a hasty decision or went to a school and, and didn't get playing time. I, I am aware that there are players who start and end up wanting to go someplace, but the majority of them are, are not. They're just looking for a better opportunity. But how, while while we always look at the the player perspective on this, Paul, what what and I know it, it's an extreme example, but you know Deion Sanders walks into Colorado and says, "Everybody get out!" In so many words, right? We we we've talked about over the years that Nick Saban processes guys out. I don't know from a percentage standpoint if you can lay the the blame uh, a majority of the blame at the coach's feet, but don't they get a little bit of it for for trying to get these guys to to move on? Or is that, or is that simply uh, a a reaction to the fact that these guys can now get in the portal? Oh, I 
think you're. I think Dion Dion exposed the system for exactly what it is. Most coaches, uh, when they when, new coaches, when they get to a program, they take a good long look, and the majority of the players they want to leave. Uh, I mean, Nick Saban told me this. Uh, I asked him one time, why Why did you keep a certain player on your team? Uh, this was right after, not long after he got there. He said, I really didn't have a choice. He said, if I if I if I got rid of every player on the team, I wanted to get rid of. Uh, I wouldn't have had enough players to play a game. And it also sets a chain event, uh, or used to in recruiting. It doesn't anymore, or not to the same degree. But ultimately, players want a clean slate. I don't blame them for that. And, and I, I think, you know, we obsess over the transfer portal. I, I, let me say coaches obsess over the transfer portal. It's now part of the game. Uh, it, it also gives a the game a dynamic uh, aspect that it's never had before where you can transform a program very quickly because of uh, bringing in a number of new players. I mean, just look at, uh, look at LSU in baseball. Their two best players uh, came from the portal. Uh, it made a big difference. I wanted to ask you on a different subject, if it's come up on your show or if it's been addressed or if you brought it up with any coach at Georgia. Recently, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution sent out a report that at least 11 players during Kirby Smart's tenure as the team's head coach have stayed with the program despite women reporting violent encounters to the police. Also, dozens of players during Smart's tenure have engaged in reckless behavior while driving. Has this become an issue at all uh, w- with your show or with your callers or with coaches? The biggest issue that story ha- has created is, is almost um, a backlash against the newspaper or whatever the AJC is these days, a digital uh, enterprise. I have no idea. And that's part of the tapestry of college athletics, but I, I think I think the story, while interesting, is not relevant. Uh, I, I think Kirby Smart has put an, a, a lot of time and effort into dealing with the issues that are, are in front of him, issues that, quite frankly, every other coach in the country have, but it, it, it is a fact. When you are at the top of the, the food chain, you're going to get enorm, an enormous amount of attention. And I'm not in any way covering for Kirby Smart or the Georgia program, but I think the issues we are talking about now are mostly, if not all, in past tense. I don't think he has a culture problem. I think he he has had problems, serious problems, as the story pointed out, but I believe very strongly that he's dealt with them in a proactive manner. You know, it's interesting. I, I, here I go with another Saban reference. This is my second one in the, in the last three minutes you've been on with us. But I think Saban really kind of opened people's eyes. I know he did for me. He opened people's eyes to the idea of do you throw a guy away for whatever legalities that they run into and, and, and potentially their future and their chance to um, to change? Or do you try to rehabilitate, rehabilitate through, that, through that college football program? Um, and I, I, I think that was a perspective that most of mainstream college football fans really never saw. Uh, I don't, I'm wondering if that has an impact on how people react to stories like this now, which, which as you deemed are not, maybe not necessarily cultural. You know, it's one thing if, if a university Paul is endorsing it, throwing these wild ragers and, and, and bringing people in and bringing women in, you know what I mean? But it, in, in a sense where it's not, maybe not a culture thing, but, just a, a rash of, of issues. 
Mark, this has been part of college athletics for as long as all three of us have covered it. And there, there are a lot of reasons sociologically why, why it is. But it, it, when you recruit the best players, these, these are these, these, in this case, young men have been have been uh, put on a pedestal really from the moment that they started playing athletics. They've gotten away with things. They they have been sheltered. Uh, we've all seen it. I mean, I, I've seen it throughout my entire career. And right now, I've never seen the culture more defensive of the players, though. And I think that may be a bigger issue. We saw that in the Brandon Miller case. Uh, we've seen that. We've seen this in Georgia, where instead of you know, reacting uh, and, and flushing and trying to flush bad actors out of the system, there tends to be this wall that goes up. And, and the messenger ends up getting attacked. I know I sound like I'm, I'm being defensive of the media. I'm not, uh, but I've been on the other side on the other side of that. And this is now a, a real uh, issue in college athletics. And and because the most important thing, despite all the boilerplate statements, is protecting the investment. And, and the investment uh, is the program. And, and the people that make the, the program up. And, and I, uh, it, it's a very complex issue. I really don't believe Georgia's problems are any different than anyone else's. They just happen to be prominently discussed. And, and on one level, I want to compliment the AJC for reporting this. But on the, on the other hand, uh, I don't think these stories are going anywhere, Mark. You understand that. Another issue, of course, we talked about this week, uh, NCAA sends out a memo to all schools that uh, you better be careful uh, as far as boosters getting involved with NIL, kind of saying that uh, state laws uh, don't take priority over the NCAA. And then you have Russ Bjork, AD, Texas A&M, saying as far as he's concerned, it's the uh, state law that he's adhering to, not the NCAA. And if the state law allows it, they're going to give priority points, and they'll go out and do whatever they can to bring more money in for NIL. I see conflicts over this immensely. Do you? I mean, do you see this becoming a real issue? Well, yeah, I do. Uh, But not to try to sound like I'm the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, but but I can tell you which which – Who's going to win this battle? And, and, and those are state laws, because uh, when, when state laws will supersede a an organizational uh, an organizational framework, which the NCAA is. Yeah, you're a member institution, uh, and and you're required to abide by their laws. And and what is the penalty if you don't? Versus what is the penalty if you if you violate a state law? The, the penalty if you violate a state law. Is far more severe than if you if you violate an NCAA rule, and uh, I don't blame Ross Bjork. And, and quite frankly, uh, the NCAA is, is just uh, you know they got so they've got some lawyers in in Indianapolis uh, working overtime to make them look like uh, they're keeping busy. It reminds me when I used to uh, sell clothes at a department store during Christmas. As soon as the as soon as the manager walked by, we start shuffling the shirts. That's all they're doing. <laughs> Uh, they're, they're not doing a single thing beyond trying to look busy uh, because nobody inside college athletics takes the NCAA enforcement seriously anymore. They, they don't really care, uh, Lee. And I, I know I sound like a broken record on this, but it, it just doesn't. What the NCAA says doesn't matter. 
they, they serve absolutely no function whatsoever. And that's why they went out and hired a politician to be the new president. He makes a great speech. I told you a few weeks ago that I heard him recently, and he's, uh, he's very effective. But what, what has he done so far, and, and what, is he, what is he going to do before he finally throws up his hands and walks away? But the one thing you don't have to worry about is the NCAA enforcing its rules because they don't have anybody to enforce them. So, so why send out that memo? Like, I, I get the sense that maybe when they went up to lobby – uh, when the SEC went up there to lobby Congress, maybe they got some positive feedback on this whole thing. I, I feel like you just w- – why send that out now? and why, Or why send it out at all if, if it's got no teeth to it? Well, because they're getting a lot of complaints, Mark. Uh, coaches and administrators are complaining bitterly that uh, certain schools are, are just obliterating the letter of the law. And, and they are. Uh, and – Listen, I don't want to be the 15th guy that uh, comes on your show this week and tells you about how, how, how there's free agency in college athletics and, and players are, are, are making a killing. They, all of that is true, and I think, it, I think every once in a while the, uh, the, it, it gets to a certain level within the NCAA framework where they feel compelled that they have to remind people that there are rules because I think the average listener right now doesn't think there are any rules. They think that no matter what you do, in college athletics, it's okay. Technically, it's not. Technically, what's happening uh, is against the rules, so I think they just want to remind you of that. But there's a difference between sending out letters and overloading the inboxes of of national college reporters and actually doing something about it. Now, I'm not saying that somewhere along the lines, uh, you know, a major university is is going to be under investigation, and they'll they'll end up putting, as the old joke goes, Cleveland State on probation. Uh, but that's probably what's going to happen. They'll make an example of someone who they know can't fight back, but they're not going they're not going after the Miamis and the Alabamas and the LSU's uh, of, uh, and the Texas A&Ms of the world because the NCAA is scared to death of getting run over in court, and they will. Paul, I got to ask, man, we learn something new about you every week. So last week it was McDonald's where you were employed. Now you were, you were, you were folding shirts. I, I, I have a hard time envisioning a young Paul Feinbaum at the Gap. Where, where were you working? I was working at a big department store uh, for a couple of summers and Christmases. And uh, I, was a great, I was a great salesman, by the way. As the closer it came to me going back to school, the higher my sales went up. Because, it, 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 Mark, if you walked in and let's say you were a 40 regular <laughs> and I and, and I had a and I had a forty two long and that yeah. was the only suit I had. I would say, hey man, that's the new style. I mean, it kind of falls off of you. I'd sell it, and I'd, and and I mean, the, the amount of suits that would be returned probably after I got back to Knoxville was endless. But I didn't care anymore. Yeah, I, was, that, I was gone. That was not your problem. Yeah, that's Paul Feinbaum for you, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, we appreciate it as always. Follow this man on Twitter at Feinbaum. <laughs> Have a good show today. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. See you later. Yep, that's Paul Feinbaum. All right, uh, traffic and weather, I think, here. I think that's what we're going to do, traffic and weather. Uh, Eli Gold at 7.30, David Morris at 8 o'clock. Um, David, uh, QB Country, uh, as you may or may not know. Oh, well, you all know he's always at the Manning Passing Academy, but apparently we found out that he basically ran the thing. The Morris Passing Academy? Yeah, it has a nice ring to it. It does. Yeah. Uh, the so, Manning slash yeah. Morris. I'm going to have a lot of t-shirts to redo. All right. Stay with us. Plenty left here on a uh, Thursday edition. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station WNSP.
this is Jake Peavy, MLB pitcher and Mobile, Alabama native. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. At 724, Lee Shervanian, we got a, I know, I know you have something right there, but uh, I'm going to need the help with some, I need the help of our listeners here as soon as you're, uh, you're finishing uh, what you got I've there. got some help from the, uh, they're having any problems with their air conditioning system. Well, that's a perfect time to bring that up because it's, you know, like 112 in the shade right now. Well, that's a good time to bring up our team of the day, Bachelor Service. Yeah, uh, Rick True and his staff, uh, I'm sure they're on call, ready to help you out. If you've got any air conditioning needs, uh, your air conditioning breaks down and things like that. So let me tell you, Bachelor Service, our team of the day. They've been in business well over 54, 55 years. So anybody that stays in business that long, they must know what they're doing, I would think. Um, they have a uh, $79 per system tune-up special. Boy, that, that comes in handy. That is a great, great deal. Take advantage of it. Give Rick or anybody there a call at 476-4321, or you can visit them at bachelorsservice.com. They're the Daikin Comfort Pro. They offer the Daikin line of air conditioning equipment with the most state-of-the-art technology available in the industry. We've talked many times about how they check boxes like plumbing services that's available. How about house generators? You know, we're hoping and keep our fingers crossed that we're not going to have hurricanes or or anything that's going to knock out your power, things like that. But in the event that that happens, it wouldn't hurt to have a generator in stock. And you can also contact Bachelor Service to see if that is going to be uh, available. And like I said, they offer that energy savings uh, maintenance agreement, $79 per, $79 per system tune-up special. So with the kind of weather you're talking about, Mark, I'd say you might want to contact Bachelor Service. Today is the beginning of the end of uh, a legendary run by one character in Hollywood. Just one? Yeah. Indiana Jones. 80-year-old, 80-year, I think he's 80, right? He's 80, but you know what? You never Indiana know. Indiana Jones, the final one. He has said, this is it. it. It comes out tonight. So, as a tip of the cap, or as it as it were, his hat, uh, to uh, Mr. Indiana. Tomorrow on the show, I think we're going to play the best Hollywood scores for movies. The best themes. Now, this doesn't mean that we take a song that was, you know, produced and sung by somebody that they used for a song. No. The songs, the scores used specifically for movies. We're going to play those tomorrow, Lee. So, feel free to take the day off from your list of audio. We'll call for it in the course of a of a of a, a show, but we're gonna let the listeners chime in today so that we can have them all ramped up and ready to go tomorrow for a Friday Hollywood edition of the opening kickoff. What do you say? I'm okay with it. You're okay with it? Yeah, I'm okay with that. As long as the Indiana Jones theme is in there. Well, I think it would defeat the purpose if we didn't include exactly. that. Exactly. I was surprised we didn't lean into it with your uh, commentary on Indiana Jones. But you know what? I never say never. He says this is the last one. I wouldn't put it past him if he does one more. So uh, <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Quest for the Fountain of Youth. Well played. Someone said just play the best of Kenny Loggins. But you see, that's, that's not what we're looking for here. While I agree with you 
that a number of Kenny Loggins songs do get used in movies. They're not always. We're looking for the scores. We're looking for no like, lyrics. Yeah, like the like the 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 theme songs that you hear that you automatically know is associated with a a movie or a franchise, like the Magnificent Seven. Yes. Yeah. How, okay. how does that one go? Look it up. That's not it. <laughs> that no. would have been awesome, though, if you would have been playing it right there. Uh, so hit us up. I have some ideas. <laughs> we already got one. There we go. It'll, we won't even have enough time to play the best ones. Or at least enough that's breaks. My Maybe we need to take more breaks so we can come back from the breaks tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's do three minute segments. And so we can come more back. ads. Yeah, that's what I'm breaks, thinking. More music. There you go. Now you have it. Fine. Best of John Williams. That that about sums it up right there. All right, when we come back. Uh, the voice of the Crimson Tide, Eli Gold. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. song there lee yes not exactly a movie uh title song uh, you won't be hearing this tomorrow but you hear it now because it ushers in eli gold the voice of the crimson tide football program this segment brought to you by dex imaging eli welcome to the show good morning how are you today i am well gentlemen how are you today very good uh your your favorite team we'll get to that a little bit later perfect game last night we have a question about that but Good, uh, a big fan of yours. Uh, I was uh, out yesterday. I said we're going to have Eli Gold on. I said anything that you'd like me to ask him. He said yes. He wanted to know. As you look down the road, and of course, you know things change. Your uh, itinerary this year to do Alabama football is that home and away or just home games? Well, as of this moment, that's not been finalized. It's, there's some talk that it may just be home games uh, for this year, uh, just to get me back into shape, uh, plus the Nick Saban show and the Monday talk show and so on. But uh, uh, that's uh, still being finalized. Very good, because I didn't know the answer to that. I, I just assumed, you know, when we were talking, of course, you know, you never know until you get right to the uh, start starting line, you know, that maybe you'd be doing all the games. I know you'd like to be doing all the games, but I wasn't, you know, I'm not aware of, you know, the health issues that, you know, compromise Yeah, there that. are no issues per se. It's just a question of whether I'm going to be strong enough to do them all. Uh, and uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll make that decision here uh, with obviously within the next few weeks, uh, because, you know, we, we, we've talked about it. And uh, you take a look at a guy like, uh, well, a guy like Vin Scully. Not that I'm comparing myself to Vin Scully, but uh, Vinny later in his career uh, did just home games for the Dodgers. Um, Keith Jackson, 
the great ABC broadcaster, not that I'm comparing myself to him, but later in his career, uh, he did just Pac-12 games. Uh, he did not travel uh, outside of the, the Pacific 12 contests, uh, so I'm not exactly sure, but uh, whatever it is, I'll give it my 100% best, and we'll be uh, set to go. You know, Eli, speaking about that, you, you're aware of the Yankee perfect game last night. Uh, Herman uh, shutting out Oakland, a perfect game, 27 up, 27 down. Did you know that the Yankee TV play-by-play announcer, the, the key, the number one guy, and the radio yeah. announcer weren't there? Sterling and Kay were not on that trip? No, I did not know that. Yeah, so speaking about, you know, they don't make all the trips now, obviously 162 games and things like that, but they had their, let's say, their number two announcers uh, on both calls. We uh, raised the question, uh, perfect game in baseball, does anything in sports supersede a perfect game as far as perfection? Not that I would know of. Not that I could think of. Maybe you have come up with something because uh, you guys have had a little time to, to bat this around this morning. But uh, I, I really don't know. There, that that's that's tough to match. Uh, you know, and it's so tough to do because it's not only just you having to do your job to perfection in the case of the pitchers, but obviously the fielders have to oftentimes make. And I've not seen the box score. Uh, I just knew the final score. I haven't seen the breakdown. Um, you know, you, you have to have everybody doing their job. And usually, usually somebody's making some great defensive play somewhere in the course of the ball game to keep uh, the, the the perfect game intact. So, uh, no, I, it's probably uh, the number. Uh, as far as perfection in sports is concerned. Have you guys come up? I think we might have lost Eli there. We'll see if we can get him back here for just another minute. Um, well, he came up with the bowling, a 300. Yeah, but see, here's the here's the biggest difference, though, right? So bowling, it's basically you versus you. You got to face this this these other opponents individually one on one all throughout the night and win every one of those battles so i think because it is a quote unquote perfect game in bowling i think that's the that's a great comparison but i think it still pales in comparison and look i'm not a great bowler i could get out there and and throw 10 it's highly unlikely but there's a better chance of me rolling out there and 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 throwing 10 strikes then there is me going out there and battling these, you know, the Oakland A's or whoever. It's amazing for nine to me innings. yesterday that the Oakland A's, uh, that Herman only needed six pitches in the ninth inning. You would think the guys would be taking some pitches, trying to build up his pitch count, or at least maybe draw a walk or something like anything to throw him off. But they were swinging at the first pitch. So if we get Eli back, and I hope we do, and this segment is brought to you by Dex Imaging, uh, get his take. I was curious if he, we have him back now. Eli, welcome back. Second time around is always the best time. I'm Good on morning. a landline. I'm not on a, a cell, so I don't know 
where I disappeared to, but no, my, my answer was, uh, to me, and I don't know how much of my answer you heard, um, to me it's, it's probably the pinnacle of perfection in sports because not only does the pitcher have to do his job, oftentimes there's a, an outstanding defensive play or two done by the guys backing him up in the field, uh, and I've not seen the box score off of last night, so I don't know if that happened or not, but uh, you know, uh, that to me is probably the ultimate in perfection. Did you come up with anything else uh, in your morning discussion so far? Well, one of our listeners said a 59 in golf, um, and then yeah. and, and then bowling was brought up as a as a as a comp. But I, I think we right. we pointed out that bowling it's you against you. Um, whereas in baseball, you go up against, uh, uh, you have these one-on-one battles all night, multiple times throughout the course of nine innings, probably trumps bowling. And while it's unlikely, Eli, there's a chance that one of us could go out there one day and throw 10, 10 balls down the alley and, and knock them all down. I mean, again, ain't going to happen, but it's certainly more likely than any one of us going out there and throwing a perfect game. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. No, I, I would think a perfect game is probably uh, uh, the pinnacle of perfection in sports. It probably is. It's a good, great question, great discussion point. No question about it. I never had the pleasure of calling a no-hitter in baseball. Uh, I got to the ninth inning one time with two outs to go. Did you ever get a no-hitter in your broadcasting career? No, never broadcast a no-hitter. I've seen one, as I think we discussed in a previous show, when Jim Bunning threw the no-no against the New York Mets. But, uh, no, I never uh, broadcast a uh, a no-hitter or a perfect game. Never did. Let me bring up uh, a big moment down the road in uh, the state of Alabama, Rickwood Park becoming, in essence, the next, if you want to call it, Field of Dreams, although they may come up with a different name for it. Uh, yeah. The importance of that Giants-Cardinals in uh, the year 2024 to bring that game to the state of Alabama and to Mobile, uh, not Mobile, Birmingham. I think it's wonderful. Rickwood Field is, you know, it's a gem. And I'll, I'll tell you a great story. Um, when I was doing the Barons, I did the Barons for three years, uh, the Southern League Barons, when they were affiliated with the Detroit Tigers back in the um, late 70s, early 80s. Um, one day in that period of time, uh, Jimmy Bragan was the president of the Southern League, and he invited, along with Art Clarkson, the president of the Birmingham Barons, they invited, I forget the exact reason, to be honest with you, but they invited Bob Costas to come to Birmingham and be the keynote speaker at a luncheon for this uh, honoring Rickwood Field and so on. And uh, Art Clarkson, the president and owner of the Barons, asked me to go to the airport to pick up Costas, who I had known from my younger days, and uh, show him around, take him to the ballpark, give him a little tour of Birmingham and so on. Now, I respect Bob and his love of baseball. I mean, it's it's unparalleled. I mean, the man just can't say enough great things about the game of baseball. Well, I bring him to Rickwood Field, and it was like he was walking on sacred ground. 
he could not get over. And, and now, now, folks, trust me, it was not at all a fancy ballpark. And the reason Rickwood was, you know, was taken off the schedule and became the home became the Hoover Met after that is because it was a, I hate to say it, it was a dump. It had run down. The, 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 the plumbing was not good. The facilities were not good. The concession stands were subpar. It had shown its age. It was just, it was time to stop playing at, at Rickwood as far as the amenities of the day were concerned. But Bob could not stop talking about the the, the, the holy land on which Rickwood sat. And he talked about uh, the old Negro Leagues and uh, Willie Mays and, and, and all the great players who came through there. And, of course, uh, the Birmingham Barons and the Birmingham Black Barons and all the great teams and players who graced the field at Rickwood over the years. And now to see the game coming back uh, is, is magnificent. It really is. I loved Rickwood. It was hot, though. I mean, I did, I did every game. I did, you know, every game home and away for the Barons for three and a half years. There was no air conditioning. There was no nothing. It was a ballpark. But it was that ballpark. It was very, very special. And to see the game coming back now for the Giants and the Cardinals is just wonderful. And they're going to do a lot of work. They're having to expand the dugouts. They're having to expand the protective netting behind the dugouts and down the first and third base lines. They're having to do a lot of things to bring it up to modern contemporary baseball standards, let alone the bathrooms and the plumbing and the concessions and so on. But I'll tell you, it's going to be some kind of day. I'm just hoping I can get a ticket. You know, there's not going to be, to my knowledge, any local sales. Everything is going through the Giants, the Cardinals, and Major League Baseball. And with the place holding just 10,000, uh, it's going to be very, very tough to get tickets. So, uh, you know, that's my job right now for my family. Uh, you know, and you say, well, Eli's well-connected. Eli ain't that well-connected. Uh, I, I called and I said, what do I have to do? They said, you just got to talk like everybody else and try and figure it out. But uh, it's going to be quite the day. It really, really is. All right, I got a solution for you. Just call them and say, look, you get me in there and I'll get you a Dex imaging machine and that'll take care of everything you need. That would take care of everything I would need because, you know, Dex, uh, and I'm not certainly not going to advocate this, but I'm sure there are going to be people who'd say, geez, I wonder if I could, you know, count, copy my ticket or something. But you don't want to do that. You want to do things the right way. But I'll tell you, Dex imaging, they should be part of this, and I'm sure they will be in the offices. They should be because you want the very, very best for the very biggest events. That's what Alabama has. That's what so many teams have, and that's why I'd expect we'll see this as well. Whatever they call it, whether it's going to be the Willie Mays Classic, whatever they call it, I don't know, but uh, it's going to be a dandy, and I'm sure that our friends at Dex are 
going to be involved. Dex imaging, they have the machines, they have the quality of service that you would expect. DEX, that's Dex Imaging Online, DexImaging.com. Hey, have a great weekend, Eli. We look forward to doing it again soon, and uh, thanks for the time. My pleasure, fellas. You take care. See ya. That's Eli Gold, the voice of the Crimson Tide. Uh, we'll catch up with David McCrary, LCM Motorcars, LCMMotorcars.com. David Morris set to join us at hour number three. And something we need to get into, uh, one of the listeners brought up a good point, talking about perfect games in baseball. Is it really perfect, though? What is a perfect game? And, Lee, you can you can do the math in your head and give us an answer when we come back. Is it pitching 81 pitches and striking out 27 batters with three strikes per batter? Or, with no balls, no foul balls, or is it simply 27 pitches and 27 ground outs or flyouts? We'll chew on that mind bender, perhaps, when we come back. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. This is Dan Jennings with the Washington Nationals, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5. The opening kickoff continues on WNSP, and it's time to highlight the cars of the week with David McCrary at LCM Motor Cars in Theodore. That's right. David McCurry, LCM Motorcars, LCMMotorcars.com joins us here on WNSP. And as always, man, there are plenty of options for you guys out there looking for vehicles these days. Good morning, David. Morning, guys. How are you doing? We're doing well. Uh, what, so what you got cooking? We've got inventory. Uh, I know that, you know, last um, Tuesday we talked about um, the cars we bought last week. We bought 18 last week, but Tuesday after we got off the phone with you, we bought another five. So, we got a lot of inventory. We got a lot of good inventory and, and a lot of different kinds of inventory. So if you're interested or looking for anything, you need to at least give us a shot. Make sure that you're not missing something that we have. Now, I know uh, you've noticed, but it's a wee bit warm out, but you've got a plan to combat that for anybody that comes out to the lot. We do. We, you know, we got the little car lot out there that protects us from the rain sometimes, but it also protects us from that heat. Uh, get in the shade, you can check the car out, go drive it, crank it up, let it let it cool off a little bit. But most of all, just get, come by and give us a shot, and let's see what we can help you with. Yeah, and I tell people all the time that when, when you when you walk on your lot, because I've done it, uh, it's not it's not one of those things where guys are trying to sell you cars. You're you're actually working with folks to try to help them buy one. All the guys that we have working with us have been doing this for a long time, and they're I mean they just know how to guide you not just sell you it's it's a it's a difference when we're trying to help people and instead of just trying to put them in something uh when's the best time to come see you and uh where are you guys located uh we're there eight to six monday through friday nine to two on saturday uh we're on highway 90 at plantation in theodore it's one mile south of i-10 exit 15a Give us a call, 251-375-0068. Website, as always, LCM Motorcars. We will be closed 4th of July, but we will be open every other day. Hey, man, thank you so much. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. 
All right, buddy. Have a good day. That's Dave McCurry, LCM Motorcars, lcmmotorcars.com. They do have uh, that, that uh, carport. They pull a car right in there. Trust me, it's uh, in this heat, it's probably it's it's definitely an advantage. So go check them out. They have uh, plenty of options out there. And like you said, go to their website and check out all the inventory before you even get out there. You'll have a pretty good idea. And, of course, if they don't have what you're looking for, he will certainly locate it for you. Speaking about vehicles, there is a quarterback at Ohio State who's trying to win the job. His name is Kyle McCord, and he is now driving a 2023 Mercedes-Benz AMG GT53. He uh, gets the car on loan as part as part of an NIL deal with a car dealership in Columbus, Ohio. And why I bring this up, it's partly owned by Mark Wahlberg, the actor. Hmm. Okay. And he also has Marvin Harrison, the wide receiver, as in his NIL deal up there. I guess what what surprised me is Wahlberg's always been connected. I always think of him as more Boston, and now he's got this dealership out in Columbus, Ohio, and. Obviously, they're gravitating towards uh, Buckeyes. You know, Mark Wahlberg has a long history of dealing with um, advanced automobiles. I'm 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 trying to run through my Mark Wahlberg Rolodex of movies here. Come on. Italian job? Well, that was a good... Pull, actually. Thank you. Thank the Transformers. You. Oh. <laughs> see, I don't even see. I don't count him as. I don't count those as part of that franchise. They're, I, I just. They're all made by the same guy. I know. They just they, when and I love. I, I'll go see any Mark Wahlberg movie, uh, but I don't yeah, know. They just saw that preacher movie, right? I did. It was. It was entertaining. I just. I don't. Uh, I don't know. Transformers fell off, dude, big time after the. Basically, there was really only one good one, and then they just fell off. Yeah, Beast Wars. Skip that. Uh, yeah, I didn't even know it was called. Is that out? Is that the new one? Yeah. Yeah, I'd see. I don't need to see that. You big Transformer fan? No. You don't like the idea of these robots coming in no. from a different planet when waste transforming into automobiles. I do like movies with him. He's he's kind of gravitated from. Bad boy roles when I first started seeing him, to he's played more like uh parental roles. Uh, he's kind of he's kind of changed his image a little bit, and of course, his brother does very well. Isn't his brother still in Blue Bloods? Yeah, the police detective. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious, have they ever been in the same uh movie together or TV show together? I, I'm guessing they probably did, although I wouldn't have any clue as to what that is. But no, I'm not into the robotic stuff and those some of that stuff. You don't have a favorite Transformer? I don't have any Transformer. Bumblebee, Starscream. No, I, I don't. Optimus Prime. I don't. Megatron. I don't associate to the movies you like. Mirage. You and I have different tastes when it comes to uh, movies. I was watching a Wahlberg movie the other day, but unfortunately, I can't remember the name of it, but it was pretty decent. The Departed. Ted. <laughs> I actually like Ted. Don't get me. I actually did as crazy as that movie was. That was cute. Did you see uh, Did you see Ted 2? I don't remember if I did or did. not. Huh? Oh, I thought you meant the sequel. I'm sorry, the sequel. sequel. I don't, I don't remember if I did or not. The best scene in both Ted movies is when, uh, in the sequel, when they start talking about F. Scott Fitzgerald, and he comes up with his name, and his name is Ted Clubber Lang. 
and they do the whole F. Scott Fitzgerald thing. It's clearly inappropriate for, for family-friendly radio here, but it's absolutely hysterical. As crazy as this sounds, I was watching recently a movie with him in it, and I didn't know he was in it until it, it struck me. And, and, and I had to actually look at the credits and Google it. It says, that Mark Wahlberg? And I said, yeah, it was, but I can't remember what it was. I love when you reiterate your, the conversations you have yes, with yourself. I have good conversations. <laughs> You know, it was a good Mark Wahlberg movie, Pain and Gain. That was terrible. The Rock. Bro, that was the like worst that. movie. <laughs> I, I've never wanted a movie to end more than why when I watched you, that one. Why didn't you just cut out of it? Uh, I, I don't know if I finished it. I feel like, no, I, I generally I finish better. There's a lot of movies I cut out of. It's terrible. If I don't like it in the first 10 minutes, goodbye. That movie's terrible. I My mom... My opinion of you and your, your movie taste have, has changed dramatically here in the last three seconds. He's also Nick. in a Planet of the Apes. Which I saw. And that one was horrible. It was better than Pain and Gain. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You guys agree on anything? Our opinions of you are pretty consistent. Well, that's good. It's See? Good know. That's yeah, that, good and know. that's a good thing. Yeah. Can, can anybody do a Mark Wahlberg impression? I can't. I can't say that I can't. I mean, it would just be my feeble attempt at a Boston accent, I guess. Let's hear it. No. Uh, it's not good enough to say. Do, why is this? Is this your way of us saying, do you do a Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> Please, tell us your... I never tried it, but I do remember SNL had a recurring skit where it'd be like, Mark Wahlberg visits the zoo. Okay. And he'd be like, oh, hey, a horse. Hey, say hey to your mother for me. That's not bad. That's pretty good. So, what? okay, I guess I got to ask you guys, what's the best, in hour number three, hit us up in the app, what's the best, what's your favorite Mark Wahlberg movie? I don't even say best. What's I'm your favorite? Lock, I'm locking in Ted. Ted is your favorite. The original. The Italian job was pretty good. Daddy's Home, those mm, couple movies were pretty funny. Um, He did that, like, he was like the stalker, like, really early... What was that Stalker movie he played in? He was, it was that the one with Reese Witherspoon? Yes. See, that's where I first started knowing that he played a really bad boy. Yeah. I, <laughs> I saw that a couple times. He was a bad guy. I didn't like him. What about Invincible? Vince Papali. Yes, that was, a, I Wasn't he in The Lovely that. Bones? Was he the dad? The Lovely Bones. And Stanley Tucci was the bad guy. I don't know. All right, hit us up in the hamburger shop. Doing. I've uh oh, shooters and shooter and four brothers were great movies. Four brothers was an excellent, excellent. I don't know if I'd say film. And fear was the name of the stalker one. All right, David Morris is next. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 804, welcome back in. The opening kickoff, Mark Lee, Triple G. It's hour number three. 
And we're in the studio studios of WNSP. I just keep I just keep going with those those rhymes. By well, the way, we failed miserably uh, with the Mark Wahlberg conversation. We failed to mention Boogie Nights. No, I don't think so. Oh, I I, I mean, anytime you can bring up Dirk Diggler, I I think uh, comedy and well, you're and in hilarity your, ensues. Yeah, you're in your prime. Your perfect uh, game. Perfect game last night. Uh, Domingo Herman of the Yankees, first uh, no hitter this year, first perfect game since 2012, and in the uh, Yankees uh, history book, only the fourth perfect game ever, uh, the 24th in Major League Baseball history. So to that, uh, the Yankees win 11 nothing over Oakland. We've also been talking about the transfer portal. Uh, where over 3,500 D1 football players entered. And what they're trying to do now is cut down on that, although I'm not sure what they're planning is going to actually close the window. there. If it comes to pass, they'll vote on it in uh, October. They're trying to close the amount of time that a student-athlete gets to enter the portal. That's another topic that has been uh, discussed during the morning show. All right, uh, you guys can jump in at 694-1055. Uh, yeah, we battled a number of uh, issues today, the perfect game. Is is there anything close, anything else in sports that comes close to a perfect game in, uh, in baseball? And, of course, uh, we made the announcement earlier today with a tip of the cap to, uh, to Indiana Jones. Tomorrow we're playing the best movie scores or your favorite movie scores uh, in history. If you want to jump in and give us some suggestions on what – DJ Jazzy Triple G needs to play tomorrow. You can hit us up in the app at WNSP.com. Or, of course, uh, you can give us a call at 694-1055. We kind of stumbled upon this conversation about Mark Wahlberg. I'm not even, oh, because you brought up the NIL deal. Uh, he owns a, a dealership, so we've kind of been talking about the best and worst of Mark Wahlberg. Well, I Googled him just to see. I was trying to figure out what movie I saw that he was in recently, and then I came across in his uh, Wikipedia a list of uh, priors priors yeah. and it's a long list I you know I, I when I said he played a bad boy in the movies my gosh I didn't realize that he really was quite the uh, bad boy growing up and got into trouble all over the place and uh, cited many many times so but he overcame it and uh, well, developed into one of the iconic actors uh, of this day. And don't forget the whole Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch era, too. I mean, good vibrations? Come on. You know what else was a really good movie? Did you see Two Guns? Mm, with Denzel? With Denzel. That was pretty good. Denzel never been in a bad movie. I agree with that. I think I agree with that. I'm trying to think of a... Didn't we have this conversation on the air? Did we ever come up with a movie where Denzel was in a bad movie? He just he doesn't do it. Mm, yeah, I can't think of a a bad. Have you ever thought? Of, can you think of a bad movie that Denzel was? Not really. I think his son is doing well too now. John David Washington. Yes, I think his son is doing very well wow. acting right now. What's he been in? He was in Tenet. He was in the show Ballers with. Oh, uh, you know, Rock. I saw some of Ballers. I did not know John David Washington was Denzel's son. How about that? You learn something new every day. That's why I like coming in and doing this show. It may not always be sports related, but uh, we we uh, we always learn something new. All right, let's turn our attention to uh, the one and only David Morris of QB Country. He joins us here on WNSP. Good morning, David. How are you? 
I'm I'm good, guys. How are y'all? Uh, you know, a little birdie told us that man, you ran the Manning Passing Academy. What's up? Uh, no, no, you know, um, Buddy Stevens um, is is the guy that's run that camp for yeah. 27 years, and Buddy was uh, the head coach at Tulane when Archie started sure. Manning Passing sure. Academy, and um, so they, you know, they're really close friends, and uh, and and so anyway, Buddy uh, is the head coach at Dartmouth now. He got in a, um, a, a biking accident, and um, anyway, and and so he wasn't able to. Uh, to, to run it this year. And so it, it was really, there was really a, a really strong team effort. You probably uh, four to five guys just kind of had to fill in for Buddy because Buddy uh, is just, you know, knows it backwards and forwards. And it's a big operation. I mean, you got 1,400 campers there and 150 staffers. And so anyway, um, everybody, you know, did a great job of just kind of, up and filling in and so um and, and everything went smooth so it was a good camp so there's there's no chance of renaming it next year to the the, the morris passing academy <laughs> no that ain't gonna happen uh we would uh we would uh we'd probably lose about uh 1350 campers if that happened <laughs> oh i you'd probably i think you'd gain the way the reputation of qb country david Obviously, there was a lot of attention given to Joe Milton because of the uh, length of his passes, but we'd like to know your thoughts on Riley Leonard and Carter Bradley, uh, two quarterbacks connected to yeah. this area. Yep, yeah, yeah. I mean, both those guys uh, look great, and I think they had a, a, a great weekend. It's fun for, for the college staffers because they get to be coached up by the Mannings and, and by Peyton and Eli and um, you know, train with them and, and, you know, have meetings with them. And then they get to turn around and, and, and coach, you know, younger kids and, and kind of give it back. And so it's really a full circle uh, deal and, and it's kind of the way Archie set it up. And, but yeah, Riley Leonard and Carter Bradley are, are two guys that whenever they come out, will both get drafted. And, uh, and they're two guys that, that had, you know, strong outings at the Manning Passing Academy. Do you work uh, – running a camp is difficult enough. I mean, organizing, do you actually get to uh, teach as well as uh, organize the whole deal? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, again, I, I didn't um, – you know, I don't want to <laughs> – uh, I, I don't want it to to sound like it was it was, uh, it was it was our deal. It was really again there was there was four or five guys that just really stepped up, and and I happened to be one of them. And um, and so we had a we had a great effort by everybody. It's a veteran staff. There's probably seventy five coaches on that staff that that have been there, you know, for coming up on a decade or more. Some of them. So everybody knows what the the operation is. But yeah, it is it is um, you know we're the way our, our company, QB Country, is run, it's kind of a small group, one-on-one thing. And um, and we have the Senior Bowl camp, you know, with with, Na- with Jim Nagy and those guys, and it's, it's awesome. But this is a different deal. It's a different operation, and uh, there's just, just, just a lot of people to manage. And uh, I want to say we had 28 fields to manage, and you're trying to get kids, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, all in the right place. And, and you kind of – you got you got three different uh, – kind of compartments of practice so you have indie group uh and then you have seven on seven later on in the evening and so 
when you go group, you, you know, all the receivers and tight ends and running backs come come and join the quarterbacks. And so there's a lot of coordination, and I learned a lot, and uh, and it was, it was it was really fun to be kind of uh, in the weeds with it all. David Morris joining us. Sorry, talk about the SEC quarterbacks who are in attendance. Uh, tell us some of those and your, your impressions of them and what you what we might see from some of those uh, quarterbacks this year. Yeah, yeah. You know, Will Rogers, who who will break every single passing record in SEC history uh, this, this coming year if he stays healthy, was there and just steady and consistent. Uh and a guy that's really working hard and, and still feels like he has a lot to prove, which is which is awesome, you know, coming from a guy that, that has had so much success on the football. I think he broke the, the touchdown record last year uh, in, SEC, uh, in SEC history. So I think he's going for the yardage thing this year. And there's a, um, obviously an offensive change, uh, you know, so he's learning a new offense, and, and I think he's excited about it. So it'll be a little more pro style than what he's used to, and that'll be fun to see. Um, and then, yeah, and then you, you know you got guys like like uh, Joe Milton, uh, Dev, Devin Leary was there, uh, you know, uh, who's at Kentucky now, looked good. You know, he, he's a passer. He's a guy that's been doing it for a long time. Was at NC State, and um, and really and really looked good. Uh, you had Jaden Daniels um, from LSU. Who I, you know I was really impressed with, and and just was real steady. Uh, he's a guy that that uh, is very consistent, and obviously he's very he's very um, athletic as well. I'm trying to think other SEC guys, uh, and there was there's a good number of them, but um, yeah, and there was a couple that were missing um, that, that couldn't make it, but. But yeah, I mean those guys stood out and looked good, and uh, and I thought that the SEC guys, you know, are, are guys that uh, that have, a couple of those guys have been there for a couple of years, so they kind of know what to expect. David Morris, our guest here on WNSP uh, of QB Country. So Milton, really, I mean, I saw the videos that he threw it all of eighty yards, right? Uh, I, you know, it's hard to say. I was kind of in the back, uh, and. I mean, I, I know he can throw it 80 yards. I don't know if that throw was 80 yards or not. It was probably, you know, mid 70s or something. But yeah, he can, he can really throw the football far. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think he's going to have some stuff to prove. Like, I don't think he started a game yet, and yeah. so there's a lot of hype about it. And um, but end of the day, like, you don't throw a ball 70 or 80 yards, but once or twice a season, it's usually you know called a hail mary, and it's kind of right. like hey, desperation. So. That stuff, you know, it looks good. It's trendy. It's uh, it looks good on social media. End of the day, you know, you got to you know throw completions and be accurate. And he's impressive. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. He is very impressive. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know, can he can he um, have some success early and hit a stride? And if he can, like, yeah, I mean, you, you know, he, he's he's got some freaky. Uh, potential. David, the two quarterbacks most mentioned this year when you talk about awards, Caleb Williams and Drake May, were either in attendance? Yeah, Drake was down there and uh, looked great. Just an incredible kid um, and a kid that uh, that, that we've, we've known for a long time. And he looked good. He had a lot of fun. You know, just he coached him up hard too, you know, when he was, when he was with the campers. So, but yeah, Drake looked, looked uh, really strong. What about local kids from this area, high school kids, as far as being campers or, or maybe count? Well, they wouldn't be counselors, but local kids. Did any, did we have any uh, that you work with uh, one on one that were there? 
Yeah, yeah, we had uh, – there's, there's always a good number of Mobile guys. Um, and it's kind of – honestly, this year is a little bit harder for me to keep up just because just cause some of the organizational things that, um, that, that I was involved with uh, kind of had my hands full. But, yeah, like Wynn Elliott's going to be a little rising eighth grader um, uh, at, at UMS. I think eight, maybe going into seventh. But, you know, really a good passer and, uh, and trained him for a long time. He, he and his brother, Denton, were down there and uh, just great kids and – it's just always fun to see familiar faces, but then you, and then you got guys like Riley Leonard, uh, you know, kind of coaching them up, and there's connections there, and uh, and then Carter Bradley too. The South Alabama receivers came over uh, for the Saturday workout, and then you know just a great group of guys, uh, Major Applewhite, and and, um, and you know kind of kind of helped me set that up, and, and obviously Kane, and uh, just 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 you know it was fun to see those guys drive over and be a part of. I want to say they were in Peyton Manning's group that day, you know, that afternoon, and just, you know, you're running around and and getting coached up by Peyton Manning, and then, you know, and your quarterback's throwing to you, but you're also catching balls from, you know, guys that, you know, Drake Mays and Devin Leary's and guys like that. It was really neat. And so then they get in the car and and head on back uh, to, to to Mobile. So I think that was a neat experience with with some, you know, some local guys that. Uh, that I think, you know, I think South Alabama is going to have a really strong year this year. Do those who go to the camp, do they come away with any memorabilia or a swag bag or anything like that? Uh, yeah. I think a lot of it, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot of shirts and uh, yeah, gear, for I, sure. I think, Nike, Nike's a big sponsor. Yeah, I think I think Lee's searching on his new iPhone over there, looking for a registration for next year so he can get himself a little swag. Uh, oh, I, oh, I see. Lee, Lee wants my leftover, you know, schmediums. <laughs> Fair enough. I got it. I got it. So, hey, man, what do you? I know you're busy still working here locally, man. Um, what are y'all doing to fight off this heat, dude? You got to get out in it. You know, you, you mark, you got to get out in it. So, um, I mean, look, it's hot, but it's not, it's not outrageous hot. It's just like go outside and play, go outside and throw it. And, uh, I think we were out in it for probably four hours yesterday. And I don't know, I mean, it is what it is. It's a hot, it's hot, but I think the more you're in it, the, the, the more it's really not that bad. And, uh, if you're in the AC all day and then you walk out in it, it's going to, it's going to be a shock, but, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think. Look, I think that's part of what's different down here. I think. 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 You know, we're used to worse conditions, and so if it's two degrees hotter than it was this time last year, I don't, you know, you know, uh, most kids don't make a big deal about it. We had a group of probably sixteen high school kids yesterday afternoon, and you know, there may have been one or two that were feeling it, but everybody else was like, "Yep." And, you know, and they already had practice, you know, at their high school. So uh, again, I do think that there's just a toughness thing down here in South Alabama that. Um, you know, that I think makes football, you know, different and better down here. All right, sir. Well, we always appreciate catching up with you. If people are interested in having their, uh, their kids learn more about the quarterback position, uh, what can they do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go to qbcountry.com. Uh, we're on Instagram and Twitter at QB country. And uh, yeah, we, we, we train quarterbacks kind of from youth all the way up to uh, to the pros, so yeah, we got a little youth thing starting next week. So if you want to check into it, we don't do, we don't train youth quarterbacks all the time, but we we do for the month of July and August. So anyway, go check it out, QBCountry.com, and, and Mark Lee. I always appreciate you guys uh, having us on. And I learned a new word today, schmedium. Uh, I will use that one forever, man. Good stuff. 
There you go. Hey, man, thank you. I got one, I got one on right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Boys. Have a good weekend. Thank you. That's Thanks. David Morris, QB Country. Hey, guys, for those that don't know, that's kind of where he got to start was teaching young kids. The the uh, and um, So if we talk about it in terms of all these high school recruits and these college guys, and these NFL guys that are working with David now, but if you have a, a – uh, a kid that's interested in learning more about the uh, the position, uh, give David a call. Since he mentioned about South Alabama, I do want to mention that uh, South Alabama Athletics, uh, one of our sponsors, uh, advising you now to get your tickets at usajaguars.com slash tickets for that home opener September 9th. All right, uh, let's uh, take a break. Traffic and weather are next, although I could tell you what the weather's going to be like. And uh, we'll see if we can get you a little Chick-fil-A. That's coming up, too. How about that? It's a Thursday edition. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hey, this is Stuart Fink from the PGA Tour. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio and Mobile. Chick-fil-A I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A Alright, short segment here. What you got for the folks, Lee? Got a Chick-fil-A question, but first I want to mention that uh, for Chick-fil-A, I've been given this note. Visit playcodemoo.com for free Chick-fil-A food rewards while supplies last. You can get a free gift card right now. Name the last Yankee pitcher to throw a perfect game. We had one last night, Domingo Herman. Perfect game, the fourth in Yankee history. Who was the last Yankee pitcher to throw a perfect game? If you know the answer, 6-9-4. Prior to him, by the way, you can't be calling up with his name and said technically he's, because technically is the last throw it. But the one before that, right? That's what you're looking for? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make it clear to our people. I want to make sure they, they know the rules. Well, I was kind of curious to see how long people would do that and keep uh, Nick on the phone. 694-1055. All right. There you go. Uh, coming up, uh, we're going to uh, talk to Bryce Huff, and then um, <laughs> Rice is with the Jets. By the way, uh, answering the question, uh, answering the app was Ricky Vaughn. I believe we should uh, give that man as much Chick Fil A if he wants. He wants for that answer. Ricky it's, Vaughn was not a starting pitcher, though he didn't throw up. He was for game. the Cleveland Indians. He was a relief pitcher. No, he started after he had his eyes checked. He went and got glasses. Oh, did he have a perfect game? Uh, he could have. With, but, he uh, but he's not with the Yankees. I think we're talking about two different people. That was a reference to uh, Major, Major League. League. Of yeah. course, yeah. So I, I, he wouldn't be included if he's not a Yankee. He came out of the pen in the game against the Yankees in the playoff game, but he was a starter during the season. And not a very good one for a while. Well, no, he had, he had to get his control. He couldn't see. Mm-hmm. Happens to the best of us. He got some glasses. So... I appreciate you bringing that up, though, but that's not the answer. Oh, did we get a did we get a winner? Are they still working, Nick? He's on the phone. Okay, anything to keep him busy. Wow. All right, uh, Bryce Huff. Next, uh, continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. Kevin Costner getting some votes. No, uh, Chapel was uh, Detroit. 
he played for Detroit, right? Yes. The Detroit Tigers. Correct. Because uh, the cathedral that is known as Yankee Stadium now belongs to a chapel, I think was the line in the movie. You are red hot today with your one-liners. Thank you. It's the uh, opening kickoff. Stay with us. season it's going to be tough what is training camp for if not to prepare for the regular season so why not already expose yourself in a low stakes situation expose Aaron Rodgers to all of this attention you're going to get it it's just going to be five or ten extra cameras it's not that challenging the idea that somehow hard knocks is a distraction you're a garbage coach if some if some cameras showing up is going to distract your team from getting any better and if it is a distraction fine let's prepare Eight thirty-two. welcome back in the opening kickoff mark lee triple g all in the studios of wnsp all right the uh, jets rumored unless it's official now but they've been rumored that they're going to be the subject of hard knocks coming up on hbo i'm not sure it's exactly official there were some other teams mentioned but the team that's getting the majority of play on this the jets and speaking of the jets bryce huff one time st paul standout memphis and now with the jet jet jets he's up there in training camp in new jersey good morning bryce how are you today Morning. How you doing? Doing wonderful. So you and I had a little chat about this. Uh, how would you feel about the Jets being the subject of hard knocks? Uh, I mean, going into training camp, we're just looking to lock in and focus up. We got a lot of new pieces. We got a new OC, and uh, we're just kind of looking to focus in on camp at this point in time. If we do get it, I mean, so be it. We're just going to keep it pushing. But if we had to choose, I, I think we would just rather go through camp the, uh, the normal way. Has there been much talk among the players? Uh, every now and then, like whenever we see the the post about us being rumored to have it, or just talking about like what we think it would be like. But besides that, not too much. Do you think it would be better for the Jets, especially with all the off-season moves and, and bringing Aaron Rodgers, that if you're not on hard knocks, that it'd be obviously you know a distraction uh, with him there? Uh, I mean, I feel like we're going to get our work done regardless, but. I mean, if they come in, I feel like it could be the Sharks. I'm not really sure how that's going to work because I've never had it before. But I feel like regardless, we're going to get get the uh, the proper work in. Uh, Bryce, thanks for jumping aboard, man. It's uh, it's always great to to have you on. I, I'm. How do you react personally? I don't to headlines. There have been some really great ones for you here in the last you know month or so. Uh, teams have called New York about potential Bryce Huff trade, which of course is nothing but complimentary to you. And then uh, there was another one that said, uh, these guys are primed for breakout seasons and, and you're, you're one of the guys named. Do you, do you see that kind of stuff in the off season or even during the season? And, and what's your reaction to stuff like that? Uh, I, I, I really don't pay so much attention to it. I mean, people tag me in it, so I see it, of course, but at the end of the day, I just, I just control what I can control. Uh, show up to work every day and just put my best foot forward. So it really doesn't affect me too much. Can you give us a uh, Aaron Rodgers story? Have you had a chance to actually sit down and talk to him, or what's been his presence like at OTAs? I mean, he, he's a great dude. I mean, like the, the locker room just like forms around him. Like he's a, he's a cool a cool guy. He, he works hard. He's putting everybody on game as far as like teaching everybody. 
like the ins and outs of what he knows about football. I personally haven't had too much time to sit down and just have a full conversation with him, but he's a really cool dude. Bryce, what are can you describe what OTs OTAs are? Are they very intense? Do you, you don't you don't suit up obviously, but what what do you guys do? I mean, for D line, it's pretty intense. We go out there, and, and every rep we take is like a game day rep. Uh, but for the most part, as far as um, contact and, and really going after each other, we don't really get the physical side of it, but the mental side of it, and just the locking in on technique is pretty intense. So. We just kind of go out there. We do like like drills, like footwork drills, handwork drills. Walk through the plays. Offense does seven on seven, and then um, yeah, we get some we get some team work in as well. Like oh, offense on defense, just full team reps, and uh, yeah, it gets it gets pretty intense for the most part, but just not on the physical side. I, I think you're well aware. I'm sure if you aren't, the newspapers play it up so big. The Jets are the longest uh, team in the NFL without making postseason. With Aaron Rodgers in camp, do you guys feel that you're going to make it to the postseason this year? Yeah, I feel like we have to, we have to make it this year. There's, there's no there's no doubt about it. I've been here going, this is going on my fourth year. I want to be here for the team's winning season. I want to. I want to be here to see us win the Super Bowl. So, I mean, it's, it's everything. Everything's up in front of us right now. So we just have to attack it this year and really make it happen. Do you get a lot of spectators coming out to these OTAs? Are they allowed? Uh, yeah, we got we got a couple open uh, practices this year. What's it like? I mean, you know, you still got a ways to go before the. Let's see. When do you actually report for practice for the start of the fall? Uh, July nineteenth is our report date. Well, it doesn't give you much time, uh, free time, does it? What are you going to do between now and then? Uh, I've been up here in Jersey, just locked in for the last however many months. I, uh, I'm just, I'll probably hang out with some of my guys for the fourth, and then besides that, I'll just be working out and, and training and watching film and stuff like that. You miss the uh, triple degree heat down here in Mobile? <laughs> uh, not too much. It's, pretty, it's getting pretty hot up here, actually, but Mobile heat is different with the humidity and stuff. See, I've got to believe, well, I already I more than believe, I, I know, you know, Jet fans, how they are and rambunctious and everything. So so they're, they're allowed to come out to some of these practices. Uh, are they, I, what's it like uh, with them on the sidelines and, and how does that uh, impact uh, practice? Uh, I mean, this year they're putting up these huge stands. So it's going to be, I feel like there's going to be way more fans here than uh, years before, but it's really cool just having them sit there and, and see the work it takes to, to get to the level that we get to uh, going into the season, especially uh, with joint practices when other teams come in, I feel like it just heightens the environment like versus just practicing when nobody's looking. And it just feels a bit more like a, a game day uh, scenario with everybody screaming and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. Bryce, what about C.J. Mosley, another local player from here in Theodore? He, of course, has been a mainstay on defense. Can you bring us up to date on how he's doing? I mean, he's just as locked in as ever. He, he was in OTAs uh, with the guys, working with everybody. Uh, so yeah, he's putting in that work just like the rest of us. He's been there doing a great job his whole career. So I'm looking forward to getting after this year with C.J. So uh, let's get a definitive about your position. What is your role with the Jets? Oh, well, last year I was just a third-down specialist. Uh, played a lot on special teams. And then this year we have a we have a stacked room, so I feel like I'm a 
be a, a mainstay on special teams this year. And then when it comes to defense, I'm going to just do everything I can to help the team as much as I possibly can, whether that's playing first, second down, or just third down, or whatever it is the team asks me to do, I'm going to go do it to the best of my ability to help us win. Kind of curious about this. In OTAs, I assume, now correct me if I'm wrong, that Aaron Rodgers would take most of the snaps, I would think. But what's going on with uh, Zach Wilson? And, and who are some of the other backups now? Uh, we got we got Tim Boyle. Um, we got Chris Trevler and Zach. And, I mean, I, I'm not too sure, honestly, took most of the reps. I'm pretty sure Aaron did. But I know Zach has been over there working his tail off. You know, he's taking in all the information that Aaron has to offer. He's locked in at practices just like everybody else. So, I feel like really the whole quarterback group is really just elevated with and in the room. They're all locked in and trying to really take up gyms every day. So, Bryce, I got to ask, man, you, you, we mentioned Zach. Did, did, did his status in, in the locker room get elevated after uh, last year's uh, media? Well, I guess it was – it all runs together. I guess it was last year where the media went wild with some Zach stuff off the uh, – off the field, does that elevate his status as legendary in the locker room, or did you guys have a good laugh with all that? How that how that play out with the with the guys in the locker room? I don't really I don't really think it elevated or <laughs> where he was. Uh, I'm sure it was interesting to talk about at some point. I didn't really see too much about it personally, but. Yeah, I feel like it's about the same. I guess. As you seem like a guy that's just very focused on the football aspect of being a <laughs> professional football player. It, it it gets kind of wild with some of the things that go that go viral that that talking heads kind of harp on. Um, do you ever sit back and just think about how crazy life as a professional athlete can get? Uh, I feel like it can get pretty crazy, but just the way I go about it, I've been working at this so hard. I gotta I gotta I gotta accomplish my goals, so I, I feel like I'm pretty locked in as far as when it comes to football. But I know things outside of it can get pretty wild, so I just tend to stay stay to myself and, and just grind for the most part. All right, so what food do you miss most down here on the Gulf Coast can you not get up there? Ooh, <laughs> there's a couple. I have to say, Lentil's Oysters, Roger's Barbecue, uh, Fusakli. <laughs> that's, that's just the top three, but there's way more. All my granny's food, of course, but yeah. All right, well, we can see, we'll, we'll see what we can do to make that happen. I, I don't know about Granny's food, but uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Co- uh, yeah, well, we appreciate you joining us, Bryce. Good luck with uh, OTAs and training camp right around the corner, man. You, you're going to have a lot of folks cheering for you down here, and we wish you the best of luck. Let's do it again soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yep, that's uh, Bryce Huff, ladies and gentlemen, uh, New York Jets. It's amazing what people crave. Did y'all see where Raising Cane's, by the way, opened one in uh in Times Square? Did they really? Yeah, Louisiana based. They got a it's eight thousand square Times feet. Square eight thousand square feet. They were jammed on opening day. They that's have the guy uh, that, Texas toast couches. That's the guy that spent all that money with the Jello yeah. shots. Yeah, and uh, and they have sauce tables. They look like the 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 cane sauce. What's your go to chicken place? We're big chicken folks in our house. There, we we hit we we kind of hit them all. I guess Chick Fil A would would be the pri- the first, but I, we do hit Foo and uh, and Canes. Canes isn't 
ideally located from where I am. But we're big fans of Canes as well. Not a Zaxby's man. I like Zaxby's for the variety. Uh, they do they do a nice job with their wings, actually, mm. uh, and, and and boneless wings, which as you know aren't boneless wings, just chicken nuggets. But whatever, they're still good. What about you? Um, if I'm just wanting now, like there's a difference between chicken fingers and like bone in chicken. Sure, sure. That's a different type of craving. That's a di- that's a different that's a different conversation. The bone in. I'm probably a Fusakli's guy. Bang for your buck, man. It's hard to beat. That's what I'm saying. Like you can't, yeah. you really can't beat that. Yeah. And I know Lee's a huge fried chicken tender guy. Really? And nugget guy. Where did where did where were your sources on this? Yeah, one? that was sarcasm. I know that. Um. So yeah. You can't go wrong either at any of the places. But yeah, Canes, man. Eight thousand. Think about that. Eight thousand square feet for a restaurant. That's crazy. Do they All have right. one of those huge signs at Times Square? Uh, I do. I think they do. I, I think they do, actually. Um, I always, like, it's been a long time since I've been in Times Square, but I guess the one that always stuck out was the, uh, at the time, Marlboro, with the smoke coming out. You know, you'd see the smoke coming out of the big sign, Marlboro Man, or something like that. <laughs> and again, you know, this goes way, way back because they don't have that anymore. But there's always been very, very creative signs. The one I, I guess I'll never forget is when, the, was it, Joey Harrington was up for the Heisman? Yeah. And they had a big, big billboard of Joey Harrington in New York City. Yeah. How'd that, work, how'd that play out for him? How'd that work out? He didn't win. He wasn't exactly a household name in New York since he played at Oregon. Yeah. All right. One final segment of the day. You guys have uh, have already given us some suggestions for tomorrow. It's going to be our Hollywood score uh, edition where we play uh, your favorite holiday or holiday Hollywood themes, you know, as we uh, tip the cap to Indiana Jones movie comes out tonight today you don't think it's going to be the last oh i don't know for sure but they always say it's his last and you never know maybe harrison ford in five years at the age of what 85 86 (laughs) will get the itch to come back and do another one yeah let's hope not all right one final segment closing ceremonies are next right here on the sports station wnsp Hey, this is Dabo Sweeney, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. And now Mark Wahlberg talks to animals. Hey, I'm Mark Wahlberg. You guys know me. Let's go talk to some animals. Hey, dog, how's it going? I like your fur, that looks really great. So you're a dog, right? What's that all about? Okay, well, it was great to meet you. Say hi to your mother for me, okay? It's 849, welcome back in. I feel like in order to do a Mark Wahlberg, you almost have to sound like you're running out of breath, right? Everything is kind of short and quippy. Right? You're going to give it a shot? No, I don't know if I could. Scared. Good one. Hey, your name is Mark. Some biting commentary over there. <laughs> <laughs> I just put that together. 
All right, this segment is brought to you by Kemco Middle Builders. Appreciate them coming aboard every day with us. Every day. Every single day, Kemco Metal Builders. Thank you so much. All right, what do you got cooking for? You do a Mark Wahlberg impression. I'll do a Nicolas Cage impression. And Lee can do a... A Lee Shervanian impersonation? Are there any other... Are you the only celebrity Lee? Lee Majors. Did you see they're coming out with Fall Guy, the movie? What? And he's going to be in it. No, he's not as the main guy. Not as the main guy, but there is on the docket for next year, Fall Guy, same basic plot, same basic uh, premise, guy that goes as a bounty hunter as well as a uh, stunt guy, but he is going to have a cameo, and at least a cameo. I'm trying to remember who I saw is going to be the lead, and right, I did I read it, but up. I can't remember who it is. This is right up your alley. And I just finished watching... You know, going back because Ryan Gosling is going to be in it. That's it. Okay. And Emily Blunt. Mm, I like them. How have I not heard about this? Mark, you're slipping. Too much basketball. Slipping. Because I didn't know a 1980s TV show was going to be made into a movie. And why do they keep going back in history? Why do they keep going back? Why don't they come up with new stuff? Because fill in the blank. Um, Chick-fil-A question? No, I'm just saying it's they. There's always like, let's go back and redo a, a TV series or a movie. Remember the A Team? They came out with such a, movie a great there. movie. Nah, 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 nah. See, nah, we, nah. we live in a a day and age where IP is the most important thing and recognizable n- names and brands. That's why there have been seven Transformers movies. And no other fighting robot movie, except for Real Steel. That wasn't bad. I liked Real Steel. That was pretty good. That uh, was basically every movie that comes out. It has to be attached to a brand, right? And you can go back and remake things. It's just what's the most profitable. Is it because maybe the generation, the those in the eighties and nineties, right now are are uh, they're trying to get those people more creative? No, I think cons- they thirst for nostalgia. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Getting those people back in the well, isn't there a writer strike also now, which is creating havoc? I know with Netflix, but I don't know if it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there is a writer strike. Writer strike, and uh, I'm sure that has a lot to do with it too. But yeah, I'll, I'll certainly uh, tune in the Fall Guy. You're, would you actually go to the theater to no, watch Fall Guy? I won't go to the what? theater at all. Okay, what? No, none. What topic? What like? What would bring you back to the theater? Would be like, I gotta go see that. Nothing. Not a thing. No. no why would I do if that? If they made the I've Magnificent got... Seven again no. for the eighth time, because I can watch it on Roku or something. They've got all the Magnificent Sevens there. I have so many de- uh, streamings. There's no need to Prime. Hulu. But if they, but if it was only being seen in a, if, you would if just it wait. Was, if there was one, it would be Indiana Jones, which was always my favorite. But why should I do that? It'll be back on. I'm sure I'll have it in a couple of months. But you know, what size TV do you have, Lee? Big one. <laughs> How many inches? I don't know. I, I I don't keep track of that. I don't. Let's say this: big enough for me to see. How's that? I don't get into that. Like I've had my son say, "Oh, why don't you get a 60? Or well, I don't. I don't need a, All a right, movie so it's theater. Less than sixty. Less than it is 60. less than sixty. Maybe forty, forty-five. Maybe. Oof. You think that's too small? No, but I'm just thinking, like, if you're going to 
Like, if you had, like, a really big TV, then maybe I'd be like, okay, you kind of got, like, a home theater. Maybe you don't need to go to see it on I'm the giant very, screen with the surround sound. Very simple person. Screen is big enough. I am doing other things. I don't pay total attention to it. I certainly wouldn't venture into a movie theater now because I don't have to. There's so much stuff I can see at home. Hmm. Right now, I'm. you know, remember the movie The uh, Firm? I do, with Tom Cruise. Yeah, I'm, I'm binging on the follow-up, the TV series, Josh Lucas. Hmm. Okay. I Are like you more the of a firm. TV show guy than a movie guy. I'm sorry. Are you more of a TV show watcher than a yes, movie because, watcher? Y- yes, because they, you know, usually it's over in an hour or something like that. Whereas some movies go what two, two and a half hours, and I, I don't really, I don't have the patience, I guess, to sit through that kind of uh, a movie. Maybe so it's not so good you're enough never movie. like you know what I do, Nick. You know like, what I do? Oh, episode one ended. Got to Nick. Get you know right what I do? The next one. Sometimes I'll I'll start a movie. And then I'll go do something else and then come back a couple of hours later and watch the end of it. Hmm. Just fill in the blank. Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> I did that the other day. It was The Choice, I think. It was a movie called The Choice on Netflix. And so I started watching. Then I you know, I had other things, too. I went and worked out, came back. Oh, you made a choice. I came did. Came back and they chose. They chose. And I came back and finished it. Is that the Nicholas Sparks movie? I don't know. I don't even know who that is. And what's Miss Barbara doing? Is she watching the movie? That's what they call a chick flick there, Lee. Is it? Yeah. I didn't even know that. Travis and Gabby first meet as neighbors in a small coastal town and wind up in a relationship that is tested by life's most defining events. Yes. We don't know what those events were, but we know they worked it out at the end. That was the part he missed. It was his choice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was my choice, to leave it and come back. All right. But on on the TV ones... As you mentioned, like the Fall Guy series, now watching The Firm, and oh, the one that we really, really like is The Practice. That is just incredible writing and incredible acting. So we're through, we're into the f- sixth year now, six of the eight years. So, and, and they're what, 45 minutes? Hmm. You love watching something that starts with the word the. The. The choice. choice. The practice. practice. The Magnificent Seven. The firm, yeah. The yeah firm. Don't you leave? Don't you dare leave that out tomorrow. The Hoosiers. No, no, that that's work. not. That was just Hoosiers. It was. Does Hoosiers count? Can we run that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That was an original uh, right. score. The Nutty Professor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who was the original Nutty Professor? Wasn't it Jerry Lewis? Indeed, it was. And then, and then Eddie Murphy just Eddie perfected Murphy. it. Yeah, that's my nutty professor. Yeah. Sherman Clump. Hercules, Hercules. No, I mean, can you sit at home, Nick? <laughs> can you sit at home and watch a two, two and a half hour movie without a break? Yes. Oh, that was your are, are you Are you Nick? I'm not. I watched The Color Purple the other day. V. Yeah. <laughs> that goes back, doesn't it? Yeah, it goes way back. That uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Danny Glover was in that one. Oprah. I'm not a big Whoopi Goldberg fan. I cry easily during movies if they move me. Mm, That's uh, the choice. That would make that that would create some tears for you. I bet you Travis and Gabby would have moved you. I bet you whatever that choice was. They they have nothing on Miss Seeley. Yeah, the choice. Do we want food or do we want Chick Fil A today? I don't know. Stay tuned. (laughs) What do we got cooking tomorrow? Speaking of food. You already said these Hollywood themes. Oh, I didn't know if you had, you know, 12 guests for us. I have up to a 10 now. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's see if we get to a baker's dozen. I'll do my best. 
All right, for uh, Lee and Triple G, and of course, Mark Wahlberg, in any movie that starts with V, I'm Mark Heim. That does it for the opening kickoff. We're back at it tomorrow at 6. Until then, see ya!